0: Welcome to the Chef of X podcast.
1: So this is on your website? It is on my website. I've never um, been on it. I'm sorry about that. No, no, it doesn't I don't, matter. I don't know if you, well, you shared a link with me before and, and it was like I read some stuff yeah. on it, but I have never, I don't know if you shared the one with the podcast on it, actually.
0: Well, the way I develop things is kind of like, it's not, uh, since they all developed independently Mm -hmm. so i do a lot of different art Mm forms and one of them is a podcast Mm -hmm. but then another one is just abstract uh like graphic design and then another one is rapping hip-hop stuff Mm -hmm. and then another one is i think that's all of them but the website the purpose of the website is just to have all that stuff in one place
1: what about the like poetry or or the writing writing is similar to
0: hip-hop oh writing uh, same thing so Mm -hmm. with writing uh, I just post that on the website, too. And I have hip-hop mm-hmm. lyrics on the website. So if it's poetry, it's probably hip-hop lyrics. Mm-hmm. And if it's writing, just straight-up writing, like, the dome story, then I can just post it on the website if I want. But That's I think I took that off the website.
1: And I feel like I'm <laughs> the one intervening. <laughs>
0: well, it's, it's more like a conversation. Yeah. You know, um, there's a little bit on both sides. So, What got, got you, you into really doing,
1: gotta... like, podcasts?
0: I was... Um, so when I, I first wanted to do one, I wanted to do a STEM podcast because I went to a black college and all my friends were like super geeky like me mm-hmm. and they were all black people. So we were all kind of unicorns. We're at Alabama. It's Alabama. called t- Tuskegee University. I call it what? Ruskegee University. What is it again? How do you pronounce it? I, how do I or what's no, the correct the, no, pronunciation? No, the, well,
1: the correct or the normal. It's Tuskegee University. Tus- Tuskegee? Tuskegee. Tuskegee.
0: Yes. Yeah, so Am tux- I pronouncing it right?
1: Egee. Tus gee Yeah. tusk It's a little more like Tuskegee. What, what's the history behind it? I've always been curious because recently, I don't know if you saw. I don't know how recent it was, but in Vice, mm-hmm. they had this piece. I don't know if you got to see it. It was like an all-black uh, university. I didn't and see and the piece. And It was about like uh, basically a white guy being in there and then how the <laughs> how, they, how the students how they felt. treated him. Yeah, well, and obviously they show, well, I don't know how, uh, obviously I heard about them, but i never been to one or, or experienced one. A black
0: university? Yeah. And so
1: yeah. when I saw it on Vice, I, I'm like, this is pretty dope. You know, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw like they had, at least in the, in the Vice thing, they, they had these images of our previous, basically, their black founders, as they, yeah. as they call it. And uh, and they looked beautiful, and it was like very decorated. Everybody was well dressed. Yeah, it seemed like really fun. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God dang, it, I you know, I, I got a little jealous. I was like, what what about the Hispanic bros? Where, <laughs> where's, where's the all brown university or whatever I you know. want to call this, right? Clo- uh. I, we have brown university,
0: but there are very few brown people attending. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. no, um. Yeah, well, I don't know too much of the history, but long story short, I know for Tuskegee, Mm -hmm. it was founded by um, an Mm -hmm. ex-slave, Booker T. Washington, whose central focus was more on practical learning Mm -hmm. so that you can build more of an economic base, if I'm interpreting him correctly. What
1: is practical learning from other type of learning? Like what is?
0: Yeah, so I would Mm -hmm. say the two basic schools of thought are uh, learning for its own sake and Mm -hmm. learning to do a job. Mm And he was more in the camp of learning to do a job, if I'm interpreting him yeah. correctly. Kind
1: of like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, not only learning the concepts, but kind of like how to apply them. Yeah, basically, applied, you yeah, know. applied versus theoretical. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. That's yeah. interesting.
0: So I believe he was more of an he was more of a fan of the applied. Learning. So it was
1: more like basically STEM stuff, right?
0: I'm, well. I'm uh i majored in a Mm -hmm. stem Mm -hmm. major but i'd say it was i don't know in general i don't know Mm -hmm. in general what it was like. that's interesting all i know is my little mini experience i
1: wonder my what if after seeing the vice documentary the little mini documentary yeah uh, more like it's like a kind of i don't feel like it's full-fledged documentary but Cause I still had way more questions, like not everything was kind of answered. I started wondering, like, (laughs) how would, how would I fit in in like the grand scope of things? Cause, you know, being Hispanic minority, my assumption is that I I would fit in not a hundred percent well, but like kind of get, you know, we're in the same boat, kind of grew, understand each other, that it would be me, like I would be able to wiggle in and and just. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and hang out with sneak on in yeah no not sneak but like you know um there's this word in Spanish which is convivir which just yeah. means to um I don't know the I'm, sometimes I'm like bad at Spanish but convivir is like um
0: uh, how dare you how dare you yeah
1: no it means more like uh the way I interpret it is like convivir is um like living with each other like you know like uh yeah. being family you know like uh you share the same resources experiences like the domes yeah or what it's supposed to be you know (laughs) well that's that's the
0: that's it right there is that no matter where you go you're going to find some cool people yeah but you can't expect just because it's a black college that everybody's going to be down for the same cause of uh, that you you're interested in or even that they're going to be well aligned with each other
1: i would hope at least that's what my image is like i would love to go to this one place and then and everybody's like super happy, all jolly with each other and like and open to sharing ideas and beliefs, cultures and and kind of like trying to make a better future or or at least attempt, you know? Well, everyone wants a utopia, Yeah. but they don't exist. I know, I know that um obviously with art we le- we were learning about like postmodernism. How mm-hmm. when once we got to that era What I'm is like,
0: postmodernism? Postmodern <laughs>
1: I know the smart ass one would be like after modern. After but, modern. Uh, but no, it's like, um, <laughs> at least from my understanding, I'm, you know, I'm not a, even though I got Well, a You minor, are a graduate.
0: You just yeah, graduated I, with an art something. Yeah, right? with minor a minor major. in art and okay. art history. But, and you make good art. You make oh, thank quality you. art. Thank you, you so much. I don't know. Are we already, did we
1: already start on this or no? Well, if uh-huh. you want, if not, then no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, are we were recording now? but, um, but yeah, at least my interpretation is like, with art history, like I'm gonna be, I know I'm an art major. This is gonna sound shitty. With art history, is like sometimes it just feels boring. I, I would rather be doing something than than listening of um, all so
0: stuff. You would be in Booker T. Washington's camp yeah, then,
1: maybe. Yeah, I would I would be hanging out with him. <laughs> yeah, I would be real cool. But I do have to see the value in art history, and then they they show you these different things. At least what I remember with postmodernism, obviously, don't quote me on this, is like stuff looked way more darker and stuff like that. And yeah. at least kind of like if you look at the grand history of things that stuff started coming out like after World War 2, you know? After yeah. the nuclear bombs went off in Japan.
0: What kind and, of ideas were they pursuing that was different from the last era? Why think, is it like a
1: new era? What's the thing is just like it's kind of scary like in a way because it, when you look when you're looking at some of this postmodern stuff, it's like people kind of realize that this whole utopia thing It's never gonna happen, and the reason why (laughs) it's not like they're trying to be emo or 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 bummed out. They're trying to see things in a more realistic light, and they they know that now that we have achieved a way to wipe out as many humans as we can within Uh, uh, like a less than a second with a nuclear bomb. If we have that type of technology, uh, utopia can't can't exist at all because any do anyone out there that that kind of has access to that type of thing. Like, there's always going to be, like, this underlying fear. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, the Cold War, it was just full of that stuff. It was people, even today, we we keep on talking about, like, North Korea, missile, that, and, and that. And it's like, and everybody's like, okay, when is it, it going to happen? And there's, like, this kind of, every things are tense, you know? Yeah. Especially, like, maybe not us 100%. Some people start getting spooked. But then if you look at neighboring countries, that, that could be a reality. They could right. be nuked, you know? Mm-hmm. And then if if they get nuked, it's like first of all, how do we detect it, how do we stop it and stuff like that? obviously, there's some measures in play and maybe stuff that our government won't tell us. they keep on saying that they have like defenses, but how good are they? Yeah. We don't know because they don't want anyone to know because then it it would kind of like ruin the whole thing of it being a defense. You mm. tell the enemy like this is how our stuff works then what's the whole point of it all right right, right. Uh, they could just figure out a way to go ab- around it or, or Destroy it or or do something to disrupt it, yeah. and um, yeah, and with postmodern stuff, like I was looking at some of that stuff, and and it's very dark. It puts you like in a dark mindset, and it kind of like snaps you into their their mindset where it's like that utopia is <laughs> never gonna happen. At least that's that's the way I, I interpret it or, or the way I see it. Yeah, and and I kind of kind of gravitate towards that stuff. Like I kind of relate to it at least. With a, in the sense that, I remember you know, growing up and you know this is like late '90s because you know I'm from '91, and I remember back in the day it was like things were people were talking like doomsday events and <laughs> Y2K and yeah, stuff in like, like that. Two
0: thousand, yeah. yeah. I, and
1: I, I always tell my, like, I joke around with some of my friends. I tell them I'm a survivor, and they're like, survivor or what? I'm like, end of the world. Several times, you know. Yeah. I'm like, I survived the judgment day of uh you know the terminator i think they said that in 1998 we were going to get nuked or something that's how it goes in the movie or something mm. i'm like i survived that i survived y2k i survived all those um they would always call them the, the crazy preachers that come out and say the world is going to end on this date and like yeah. it never happens <laughs> imagine one day someone does come out and and you know they're, they're just right. by sheer chance yeah, yeah just by sheer luck it starts getting easy if you start calling every year. If you do it
0: every day, then yeah. guaranteed it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, and so uh, when someone calls it, because something's eventually going to happen. And every every time that we survive a end of the world, I I mark it down on my list. I'm like, yeah, I'm a survivor of that. Also, I didn't survive. Didn't
0: happen. They just made a really bad prediction. Uh huh.
1: Also, <laughs> something maybe something. Just talking about that I remember um I don't know if you noticed but like on Facebook they had this thing where you can mark yourself as safe if if you let you yeah I noticed that so I noticed some people changing their uh, area of uh, where they live to where a disaster just happened mm-hmm. and then they then you can click you can mark yourself safe mm-hmm. and it's just people started doing that to be silly even though like wow even it's funny in the sense that <laughs> They're, they're like it messing around. Funny, yeah. But at the same time, it's like <laughs> it's something serious. So it's like this very dark humor kind of thing, you know?
0: Yourself is safe. Yeah. I mean, you are safe. <laughs> you are. Yeah. But you're just, there's no reason to do that if you're not in the area. Yeah. <laughs> so I take it, you, on one hand, it sounds like you don't like postmodernism. But I love but it. But on, on another hand, you're attracted to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but anyhow, my old university. Uh, mm-hmm. was an attempt at a utopia similar to the domes. And just like all of the rest of them, something fails. And <laughs> the thing that I kind of, that didn't sit well with mm-hmm. me while I, first of all, let me say what mm-hmm. did sit well with mm-hmm. me um, is that they were really good at the practical things,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but they were too good in my view. So <laughs> they were really good at getting people to land internships, for instance. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that was too good was they had great inflation. Mm-hmm. So, part of the reason why people would land internships is because they knew if they just went into the office the day before, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the grades came in, then they could just cry and go from a D to an A. And then they have that on their uh, resume that they got an A in control systems or something. So then they get a job. And then once you have a job, well, you learn almost everything on the job for engineering. Mm-hmm. So you don't really – it's it, its just a rat race to get the job. And then once you get the job, hopefully you, you've learned how to learn well enough so that you can keep it.
1: You I think mean, that's good or bad?
0: I think it's bad. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm saying. I think it's too – they were too good at the thing that they tried to do. They were so good mm-hmm. that they were actually, in my view, cutting corners in order to get it. But it works because of that subtle thing, which is that when you're training in engineering, you're not really learning – what you're going to be using most of the time.
1: I have a a, um, a question to ask. Very kind of personal, you know. You know, obviously, you know. No, I go know. For you, it, go for uh, it. Uh, go. It's your ethnicity, and I'm just very curious. You going to to a, a black? Uh, it was a university or was it community college or university? University, university. Do you feel empowered? It was I'm assuming no. much. By okay, <laughs> you didn't feel empowered. No, but yeah, I feel like what I saw there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Was the first version of what I saw here, Mm -hmm. which is that, like I said, there's no utopias, but Mm -hmm. there's something that happens in every society when you push their limits just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's that they have to make a decision whether or not they're going to say, hey, we're open to this, we're going to go along with it, or they're going to say, you're a threat. (laughs) And the same thing happened there. I started pushing things here and there, and eventually I got on the bad list, and they were like, this guy is a fucking threat. How and we don't like him. And it was like, yo, but everything I'm doing, it's not bad.
1: It's just different. Can I ask how they thought you were a Like, how how do you get on, like, this naughty list? Like, <laughs> obviously, you know, you have to present. Just,
0: the short answer is you just push the boundaries. But yeah. the, the thing that literally happened to mm-hmm. me that let me know, like, oh, this is not cool here, mm-hmm. was um, I was working with a professor doing undergraduate mm-hmm. research. And the professor said, hey. I just got grant money, and I'd like you to found a club so that we can have um, an undergraduate research symposium or something at the mm-hmm. end of the school year. So I said, cool. I, I went to the office. I got all the paperwork, filled it all out. This is the president, vice president, secretary. This is the mm-hmm. professor. We have all our own funds. We're not asking for any money. And then I uh, I go in to turn in the paperwork, and I'm like, hey, this is my first time here. What do I do? And the lady behind the desk is like, oh, um, what are you here for? And I said, uh, you know, I'd like to found a club. And she said, oh, okay. Um, I'm like, where do I turn in the stuff? And she says, oh, you don't just turn it in. You got to speak to Mr. Brown first. And I'm like, all right, where, where's yeah? at? Who's make this it, Mr. Brown? Let's make it quick. I guess he's like the gatekeeper. <laughs> and uh, I finally, you know, five, 10 minutes in, he opens up the door. Oh yeah, come in. And uh, I hand him the paperwork. And the first thing he starts doing is reading everything that's in the paperwork out loud to me and hey, i'm and what's i'm like the point to- yeah and i'm like i know i already read it it's fine everything's there and he's like okay but you may, you need to make sure you have a president and a secretary And like yeah we you know look at the we have the names in the spots the student id numbers we're ready to go just wanted to turn this in and he's and i'm, I'm realizing after a certain point like oh he's like trying to slow me down for some reason And I'm like, what? have I done something to this guy? (laughs) Like, what's going on? And then at the end, he says, "Uh, let me be honest with you. You're not going to found this club this quarter or this semester. For sure, not this semester. Mm -hmm. And this was something that the timing was a little bit important because we wanted to put on the thing at the end of the year. And
1: Why would he tell you such a thing? And he
0: says, well, because I already have a stack of applications this high. And I don't think I'm going to make it to yours. And I was like, this is... Too weird for it to not be a direct, like, message.
1: But he's already there at that point. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: like, just approve it now, who gives a fuck? Uh-huh. But uh, it was one of those things where I was like, mm, there's something else going on that you're not telling me and you expect me to already know. And um, later on, I decided, you know, I told my professor, it looks like it's not going to happen this, you know, this quarter, this semester. And we ended up just ditching the whole thing. And uh, the next, well, the thing is, I, what I decided is I'm going to found a club, but I'm not going to do it through, through the school because there's too many fucking, there's too much bullshit. Mm -hmm. So instead what I'm going to do is um, I'm just going to have groups of students work on projects with me Mm -hmm. because I don't have to go through the school to just have people work on shit with me. So I, this is engineering stuff, but I bought a microcontroller. I started playing around with an Arduino. I started programming a little bit. Got a little robot thing working. Got some 3D printing shit working. Showed people, hey, this is what we could be doing all the time. You know, who knows? Maybe we could be competing five years from now. And um, actually, recruited some people. Like we were like 15 deep at one point, and I was Mm -hmm. running meetings. But um, the thing about it was, like, the department head found out somehow Mm -hmm. and uh he started mocking me for it because uh, i I said well maybe we might be able to build something that flies like a quadcopter soon and we made common mistakes like we ordered parts that weren't compatible Uh and uh then we actually did need money so then when we asked for the money that's when they kind of stepped in and they were like well um you guys got to finish this before you move on to that, and we were going to control this and that. People started not showing up to meetings, and the whole thing kind of just dwindled. And then uh, the, the last thing was, it was just me and one other student who ended up going to Purdue University for grad school. And once he graduated, it was like, it was just me working on a lot of the stuff. So it was like, either I spend my own money and don't listen to anybody, or I ask this club from oh and another thing was the 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 club advisor that i got the money from they fired her <laughs> mm-hmm. so it was like all my connects to the money dwindled all the students somehow left like students were coming up to me and saying hey are we going to get credit for this are we going to get paid for this I said no there's no school credit for this you're not going to get paid but like, <laughs> the value of knowing how to put certain things together mm-hmm. is very high right now in the engineering world, if you know hardware and software together, for instance, and you're black, you're going to get a job. You're going to be more competitive for a job than the people who just went to classes because you actually know how to do practical skills. Um, but that's sad. That wasn't the culture. And keep in mind, like I'm I'm from California. So when I think about engineering, a lot of what I'm thinking about is young people running companies. Um, but in In Alabama, a lot of what they think about is uh like the really big old school industries like uh oil like power mm-hmm. um where you're really just joining a team that would work perfectly well without you mm-hmm. so you're signing up for a job versus being an entrepreneur and 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 starting something brand new, mm-hmm. and that being like you know, the financial base for your whole fucking family years from now. They're not really thinking of that. They're like, okay, secure jobs. So their concerns were very different. They weren't trying to build skills to build companies. Mm -hmm. They were trying to build skills to get hired by companies. Mm -hmm. And they didn't recognize that a lot of the stuff that I was doing is good for the black community. The Mm -hmm. more, If we had a Steve Jobs every 10 years in the black Mm -hmm. community, come on. Think about what that would do for our grandchildren.
1: I think at least I, I can I can already imagine like what it would do, especially if you have um what I see the like, like the way that I see it. I don't know how to word myself, but if you have someone that's your same ethnicity. I mean, fifty years even would be amazing. yeah. Um, <laughs> be in this position of oh, uh, basically being a role model. It, it is not only does it motivate people, but also they they have someone that they could potentially reach out to and figure out, how do I get there? How do I become, um, how do I have your job kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like those are, like, the appropriate questions to ask. And I, I wish the same thing with, at least, you know, with the Chicano community. It's like, yeah, there's a couple of leaders out there, at least, you know, that I know of. Maybe I haven't dug deep enough. Maybe I haven't educated myself well enough. But it seems like, at least the ones that, that I always hear about is like, civil rights activists. I'm like that's great, you know, they're 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 making they they're fighting for for a cause to for like basically a better tomorrow. But at the same time, I want I want to see someone an engineer, an artist. I want to see other people in other fields. Someone that at least I can be like, "Oh, wow, if they did it, I I can kind of do it too." Obviously, now that I'm an adult, I'm older, I feel like I don't need that anymore, but I wish I had that as a kid. Now I'm seeing Okay, I don't see it. What am I gonna do? It's it's now it's on my ball court. I'm I'm the one that's gonna hopefully get there at least right. or try because it's like there's none, or at least none that I know of, and and like you could either blame it on me and say, hey dude, you you're not doing your research or you're not looking in the right places. Maybe I'm maybe I'm correct. Like there there is none out there, and so it's 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 a it's sad.
0: Yeah, but uh-huh. what's what's inspiring too is that. Just because a particular group of people don't have the same vision doesn't mean that there's no one out there who has the same vision. So as long as you can connect with the other people who are like you, then it'll be fine. In fact, you can look at the meantime as kind of like a um, – it's, it's what you have to make it through
1: in order to get to
0: that time that's going to be more rewarding.
1: And then at least uh, – and I completely agree with you – what you just said but now it's gotten to the point this is what i forgot to mention is that okay i told myself okay there's no one in, in the chicano community out there that's that's getting there at least that i know of right right but if now i'm starting to wish anyone that's a minority if they can get there oh, oh my god like right i made it somehow you know i right. kind of want to call it like a wee thing, even right, though it's a right. it's the, it's an individual thing i'm like okay if it's someone you know that's not in my culture but at least has been someone that that's been through the, this whole struggle of being put down or being called you know labeled as lesser or or seen as lesser. Then it's like okay we're we're making some steps forward we're we're finally breaking the barrier or whatever you want to call it right, and uh, and mentioning what you were talking about earlier like having like a big company and like just joining the workforce and and kind of like helping them. Continue to make profits, right? At least that's how I see some of these big companies. Mm -hmm. Like, how can we make things more efficient? And then they start figuring out ways to, like, cut corners and maybe uh, put machines to do certain things. Instead of teaching individuals, like, hey, invent something new. Be creative. yeah, Grab these old ideas or these old concepts or pre-existing things and make something new. And, And so I... I actually started messing around um at least this quarter with, um uh, you know, this quarter that just passed um with uh, a little bit of Arduino as well. Okay. I started using the Circuit Playground Express, mm-hmm. you know, from Adafruit. And I wanted to see, I took a, this design class, the interactive objects class. And I wanted, at least my thing was like, I've never taken a design class per se, mm-hmm. especially here at, at Davis. And how can I take this class and can I even apply it to my art, you know? So I started uh messing around with this thing. I I came in like knowing some basic programming or at least some a basic I understanding and kind of like what a microcontroller is. Yeah. And potentially all the sensors that you could connect to it. You know, uh uh a microphone, you know, sound sensor mm-hmm. or a light sensor or um or even like uh detecting colors, you know? Mhm. Or uh or just other sensors. And there's so many. I started like going crazy just looking at websites. And <laughs> I'm like, wait, there's there's oxygen sensors. There's all these CO2 sensors. Like I could potentially make make something that can like detect all these things that, that I can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Temperature sensors and stuff like that. I'm like, that's so cool. I'm like, I'm just thinking of all this like kind of like cyberpunk stuff that I can make. <laughs> like this is so exciting. You can make a robotic you. Yeah, I can make a robotic you. Yeah. and And it's exciting. And... Just you talking about like how you tried to make this club and, and you're trying to make something that that you haven't done before. And, and I experienced the same thing that you did. You start doing some research and you kind of have like this basic understanding of how to do something. So you go out there and start buying the parts. And it's just I think it's part of the learning process. I ended up buying um, just to talk a little bit about a project that I did. Uh, I had this partner and in design class we were making. Um, it was like. We had to come up with like get a sci-fi idea. So what we were looking at was uh, in the movie Aliens, mm-hmm. there was this thing called um, atmosphere, um, atmospheric um, like generator. Mm-hmm. And in the in the Aliens movie, it was like this this big kind of like uh, it almost seems like the, one of those like cooling towers, like in nuclear power plants. Yeah, and it was uh, the concept is that it creates an environment that humans can breathe in like it releases oxygen you know the right mixture you know like nitrogen oxygen yeah. i don't i don't know too much about the <laughs> but you know what i'm talking about yeah, right yeah. like the air that we breathe and um we were like oh that's a that's a i always thought that was a really neat thing mm-hmm. and so i i always had my head like kind of like uh in la la land thinking about the future or like sci-fi concepts uh, sci-fi has always been like this big thing that 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 i just enjoy you know Mm-hmm. It feels like it's better than, than our current reality, it is and, and you can just, just design it however you want too, yeah, and so I was thinking, okay, let's say I had this 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 planet, and it's humans can't live in it, right mm-hmm. it, let's say my my wacky invention or whatever in my head, I can shape this planet however I want, kind yeah. of thing I was thinking of, okay. Instead of just having it in one location, obviously in the Aliens movie, you don't know. They just show you one. You don't know if they're spread out throughout the whole planet or whatever. I'm thinking things like at least I feel like I'm at least that I'm thinking more logically. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what happened if we have these artificial plants like spread out throughout the whole planet? Mm -hmm. It would like help distribute oxygen and the right conditions throughout the whole planet. And so I was talking to my partner. I'm like, okay, um, how can we use the, the microcontroller and then like stuff? We're not obviously we're not gonna make a, a real synthetic plant or anything right, closer, right. it, but it's like presenting this concept. It's just like a thing, and so at, we had to test out um different fans, and then we had programming. And what, what we started to do was we started to get plastic and then melt it to create like inflatable structures, mm-hmm. and then uh, and we we didn't we were, we didn't come up with this idea. We saw that there was other artists working with inflatables, but we wanted to get this sci-fi concept and then this already pre-existing like making inflatable sculptures and kind of like fuse it together yeah and make making an artificial plant right but it was not obviously we're not producing real oxygen or or anything it's just it's just a fan turning on and blowing it up but the way we wanted to make it was we're using the the light sensor on the microcontroller so Mm -hmm. when light shines on it or like at least we're saying sunlight you know Mm -hmm. you can think of it as um like a solar panel or whatever, right? Yeah. So it detects light, and then it kicks on the fan, and then it, it, it makes this inflatable fill up with air, and then when there's no light, it deflates. And then we also used the um, the color uh, sensor or whatever that's on the thing. So mm-hmm. we had color recognition. We put like a little piece of uh, like red tape, and it would t- turn these little LEDs that we soldered onto the the circuit. Yeah. They would turn red. And then w- if we put green, they would all turn green. And then we thought it was cool, you know. I don't, we just added that to make it seem cooler, you know. It was just like a, a flashy thing. Yeah. And we saw that I'm like, this is so cool. And then the concept was like, if this was a uh, uh, a new sci-fi idea, or at least recycling this the sci-fi idea, mm-hmm. we could have. I di- I started doing a little bit of research. Maybe I I went a little uh, <laughs> too off topic, but. I did find out that, that some researchers, I forgot where, I forgot their names, but I just briefly um, skimmed over this article. But they found out that they could shoot, um, what is it, um, carbon um, dioxide molecules mm-hmm. with, like, some sort of laser and then split it into carbon monoxide and oxygen. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, we need oxygen to breathe, right? Right. But what, is, what can we use carbon monoxide? So I did a little quick Google search. I'm like, oh, they use this for like uh, metal processing. I'm like, this is perfect for like what they call an off-world colony. You know, yeah. like, imagine a human colony on a on another planet. They're gonna be wanna mine. They, they wanna make metal structures. I'm like, if you can split, if there happens to be a lot of carbon dioxide for some reason on this planet, we can have this structure that zaps carbon dioxide molecule, splits the oxygen. We need it. Release that into the environment, and then you have the carbon monoxide. Collect that. Use it for. For metal processing, you know? Mm. And then you have, like, this plant-like structure that inflates. And this membrane that would allow oxygen to slowly leak into the the environment. It would be perfect. And then just have all of these spread out through the whole planet. It would be super cool, you know? Yeah. And so we ran with it. And we presented it in class. And and it was exciting. And what I kind of, like, I want to pull it back to what you were saying. We ran into all those problems. Like, buying stuff that didn't work right or was not compatible so it was like and we were trying to research it and it was just like there was this one point where like oh my god this is not gonna work we messed up and then finally i remember the day that we were like two days before the project was due and we're like we're like we didn't we're not gonna get a grade on this like we messed up like this is it like we failed and the the part was barely getting 3D printed. It was getting done, and and we were just I just felt like that that was it, you know mm-hmm. my last quarter here in in Davis and <laughs> it, it's embarrassing like not completing a, a project mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we 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 do we we're using alligator clips and all of a sudden it, the fan turns on and everything works perfectly like we did a, a test run a drive run as we call it. Mm-hmm. like without the structure or anything and it works and we were just clapping and hollering and, and it was like super exciting yeah because we were literally at the point of just giving up,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then finally it kicks in and this it's like this emotion this it's it was the best feeling ever you know Yeah. like you accomplished the impossible and then finally we get the 3d printed parts and then we put it all together yeah and then and then we make a quick video and we put it up on youtube and then and then we present we make a, a quick powerpoint you know And and our PowerPoint was mostly focused on the process. Like, we showed all our failures. And I think that was the most interesting part. Like, we failed all these times. Mm -hmm. And and we melted all these different plastics. And finally, we found out that trash bags were were pretty good, like the white trash bags. They're very uh, thin. And the white works great with diffusing some of the LEDs instead of just clear see-through plastic. And I'm like, who would have thought that was a trash bag, you know, for a project? Yeah. You know, no, I don't think other people, maybe other people think about putting trash bags on their project. But I had never really thought about that. And then the fan that we used was like one of those com- big computer um, fans for like the big gaming PCs. And it worked great because it has the the pins and everything that we needed. Mm-hmm. And then, and it was just super exciting. And we were, it was like one of the projects that I felt the most proud of. Even though it was like this, dumb, like you know, this mm-hmm. wonky thing, it was like, wow, you know, we did it, kind of thing. And and then I'm like, I wish it, I could feel this more, like in other projects. I wish I'm like, I want, I wish I would have been messing around with microcomputers um, earlier, microcontrollers, right? And uh, and I want other people to experience this. I want you know, feel like the, there's something there that potentially people could use in the future, not only. In my sense, it was for art, but it can be used for other applications. I know that in agriculture, you know, for, for testing out the soil and stuff like that, I know that they have, I think they have a nitrogen sensor or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, the list is endless. I think something that could be applied to multiple fields of study. Yeah. It's, it's interesting.
0: Well, I would say what you experienced mm-hmm. is the process of prototyping and that's it's it's not dependent on microcontroller specifically mm-hmm. but it's the idea that you can have a big project you can break it down into pieces you can understand what are the essential components and what are the extra components mm-hmm. and you could say fundamentally this big thing is just these small this small number of systems
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know it needs to be this this and this and then once we, if we can get that if we can get these systems to just work we can prove this other big thing. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the model of the car versus the actual car or like the, the engine versus the actual car. Where mm-hmm. you're, It's not the whole thing. It's a prototype. But mm-hmm. it's enough. It's enough to show that this really can be solid if mm-hmm. we went all the way with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? And there's so many parts of that experience that in my view cannot be replicated You have to actually go through the process. Um, So I call this the Chef of X podcast. Mm -hmm. And chef is, I I, I misuse or kind of rebrand the word chef, although plenty of other people have used this rebranding, to mean just like creating something in general. Mm -hmm. And Chef of X is just kind of like a math joke, but it's Mm -hmm. like a chef with respect to technical
1: things. Are you the chef? Well,
0: in my view, everyone's a chef, mm-hmm. but everyone's also a fucking sheep, which is another <laughs> story. But, um, which is, that's what the podcast looks like, but it's not sideways and upside down. It's right
1: ways up. That's supposed to be a sheep? Yeah. Oh, so it's, that's like the mouth and the eyes, kind of thing? Sure. Okay. <laughs> or I'm just making that <laughs> up. Uh. Well,
0: definitely the eyes. The other thing, I'll consider it a nose, but it makes more sense as a mouth to most people.
1: I can see the nose.
0: It's like a cat nose.
1: Yeah. It's interesting.
0: Anyhow, um, what I would say is that experience of prototyping is the best example of cooking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cooking, chefs have to cook. Cooking is just the process of taking steps toward accomplishing a goal. That's it. You have a goal. It takes certain steps to accomplish it. As long as you're moving forward, you're cooking. Mm-hmm. But you can't replicate cooking. You have to actually cook to know what it's like to cook. Mm-hmm. And whatever meal you're trying to cook is going to have different requirements. But all of them have the requirements that that you find in prototyping. Mm -hmm. You got to come up with whatever the the goal is. That's one thing in and of itself, formulating a goal. How do you choose what you're going to pursue? That, in my view, is one of the most interesting parts of any project. What are the questions you're trying to answer? How do you even decide that this thing is worth pursuing? Yeah, Mm -hmm. somebody can give you a job description, do this. But it's another thing if you're coming up with the job description and then doing it, and that would be one of the big things that I, you know, I saw that's like this is this is unless you're actually cooking, you're always going to be like B or C level. Mm-hmm. You, there's there's a maximum potential that you have as just a worker, as just a follower. At some point, you have to say, "Hey, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to actually do that," or at least attempt to do that and go with the failures Mm -hmm. and go with the mistakes and learn from them rather than learning from some other person telling you yes yes no no learn from the experience of trying to pursue that goal Mm -hmm. and it's a completely different relationship to getting things done that i feel like it's a disservice if you're not encouraging this or supporting Mm -hmm. it and i think people who treat the regular school as a substitute they don't have an understanding Mm -hmm. of like yo this is a different thing that that we're training here mm-hmm. and it's upsetting when you see people, especially black people, mm-hmm. of all people um, it, when you see people not acknowledging that like this is something special,
2: mm-hmm.
0: prototyping is special it's not the same as doing something that somebody else tells you to do
1: i I completely agree with you It's like also without prototyping, just kind of like talking about <laughs> it, maybe people don't <laughs> grasp. They've never done it. Yeah, you got to do it. So you to just sound know like, what it's like a. <laughs> yeah, you just sound like a quack. Exactly. I remember trying to explain to people what I was thinking <laughs> and I would just lose, and and I could just tell by the looks on their eye, they're like, "This guy's nuts." Yeah, or you're something. just playing yeah. around with resistors.
0: Who cares? Yeah. You made some lights blink. Who cares? Like, yeah. dude, you've never gone through this process mm-hmm. that I had to go through to make those lights blink, to make yeah. that trash bag blow up. You don't mm-hmm. know
1: everything that goes into that. And then, and then. Like you were talking about like prototyping, the reward that, that, that you get is kind of like this sense of, it's very empowering. There's nothing
0: like, like that. You can't, uh-huh. no matter how many times somebody says good job,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's not the same as actually doing a good mm-hmm. job. And then once you you actually have that thing, you start, at least what I started to think was like, wow, if I could make this, if I made this little thing work, maybe I can start thinking about other stuff. Maybe I haven't thought about it yet, but if I start thinking about something else. Maybe I can accomplish that also. I can make, make, make a prototype, make it work, and then from there, make it bigger, make it better, you know? Well, you're uh,
0: proving to yourself mm-hmm. that your intuitions are wrong mm-hmm. most of the time or a lot of the time mm-hmm. because you yourself didn't think you could do it,
1: mm-hmm. but then
0: you did it. Mm-hmm. So now that thing, whatever you feel, oh, I can't do it. Whenever you feel that, you have an actual experience of persevering through something. So you know, hey, that feeling exists and it's real. But that says nothing about the reality of my potential. Mm-hmm. I can't go off of that feeling anymore. I, I can't allow it mm-hmm. because now I already know I've been through that before. And then you see other people who are giving up. Then you realize like, wow, if they would have gone through it, they might not give up anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Imagine if you could scale that.
1: Yeah. And then it's like this moment of realization. And I know exactly what you're talking about because um, I don't know if I, if I told you before, but um, I wanted to make a little mini pottery wheel. Yeah. So you I, told me,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so I I uh I didn't know. I'm like, okay, I'm not a mechanical engineer, I'm not an electrical engineer. I'm mm-hmm. I'm like, at least I want to assume that I'm an artist, you know, I'm I'm, I'm and yeah. I'm going for the art degree. I'm, I'm making stuff. <laughs> I hope I'm an artist, right? <laughs> um mean. sometimes I don't feel like I'm an artist, um because I don't feel like my work is not But you bad. cook. Yeah. So but that's I'm all cooking. That yes. Yeah? That's true. I'm you always experimenting. meals. You actually have
0: done things that are artistic and, and so you continue to do things.
1: And so I wanted to make this mini pottery wheel. And the whole reason behind it is, like, I want to make mini pottery. And in order to make it, it's, like, I feel like it would be easier to have something at, um, you know, kind of, like, that I could put on top of a table so I can be sitting upright like I am right now and just work at a very comfortable uh, position Mm -hmm. instead of being hunched over on a regular wheel. I know that I could potentially raise it with bricks or whatever, but that's too much work when you can have a little thing that you can just put on a table, you know? Why, why am I going to go get bricks and, and start doing all this stuff when maybe I can be at this, you know, w- we're at a prestigious university. Uh, people, people say that, you know, we're a research institution. Mike, if research is going on, then maybe there's people that can help me out. So I went around trying to, to get help. And, um, and it just felt, eventually I started feeling real bad because I couldn't find someone that could help me. Or at mm-hmm. least I was motivated um, as as I was, because they maybe they didn't see the value in making a mini Potter wheel. Maybe right. it's, to them it's just junk or whatever. But for me, it, it's like I need it for my for my art. I I want right. to make little pottery. I I I I just want to try it out and make something interesting that people are going to be like, "Wow, you made this this bigger thing into a little thing that that's really cool, right?" Mm-hmm. And so I went out and I started doing my own research. I'm like, how can I like Make this quicker, kind of like cut corners, Yeah, and, but still make like basically uh, an efficient little machine. And so what I did is um, I remember like calling up my mom. I'm like, hey, mom, um, you go to the saw meter a lot. Um, would you be able to find me like a sewing machine or something? She's like, why do you want it? I'm like, oh, it's just a project, you know? Yeah. Uh, and well, the reason why I was specifically asking for a sewing machine is that I know that they have uh, a foot pedal. You can mm-hmm. control the speed of, of the needle. I'm like, oh, that's perfect because in a pottery wheel, you have a, uh, normally you have a foot pedal. Mm -hmm. Some some of them have knobs, you know, that you can turn. But I would rather have a foot pedal so I can have free up my hands, so I don't have to be worrying about a Mm -hmm. little knob. I can be using my hands, you know, both of my hands. And so I'm like, I then took apart a sewing machine. Uh, I had the, the motor, and I had the foot pedal. It's all attached, you know. And then I went to a thrift store here in Davis. Yeah, you know, I forgot what it's called. Uh, HPCA or something like something, that. Something, you know. And and then they had this wine box, this wooden b- wine box. I'm like, why am I going to make a box when I can just buy this $2 wooden b- box, you know, and just cut it up? And then and then uh, I started doing some research. I'm like, okay, so we have the – I saw how the, the, the sewing machine was. It was one of those older singers. So I took out the motor and I saw that uh, it had a, a V-groove a v belt mm-hmm. and it had a pulley. I'm like, if – if I can rep if I'm like, okay, it's it's at a, a certain position like this. Mm-hmm. If I can if I if it if I can go that vertical, you know, set up vertically, if I can turn it uh horizontal, it would be great. But I don't want to be cutting up the sewing machine. That's gonna be too much work. So I just disconnected the the motor. And then I went and bought an uh uh a V groove um, pulley, and then I had uh uh some bearings, and I mm-hmm. just put a, a shoulder bolt to it, and I attached it, you know, with an Allen wrench. Yeah, and I just put it on a box, and then I went and asked um, a good friend of mine. His name is David, one other a fellow peer, one of my classmates. Super, he's super technical. He he's he uh, he just graduated with me and uh, with an entomology minor. So mm-hmm. he's always like setting up bugs. So he has like this attention to detail. And, and then he's always, uh, he was working at the craft center. He was a volunteer. And he had access to the wood shop And I really needed, you know, access to a bandsaw. And he helped me out. Yeah. So he helped me, like, make all the cuts and stuff like that. Very precise. And just working with him, it, finally I found the person that I wanted to collab with. It's yeah. just it just happened, you know. It's like yeah. I, this whole time I was like looking around for enge- mechanical engineer students and electrical engineers. Just like yeah,
0: they're not going to help you.
1: They're not going <laughs> to help me. But then I met someone else that my same field, but he's always curious about like making machines and stuff like that. And we kind of like clicked. Like he saw what I was going for, and 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 I knew that he was understanding. You know, the random gibberish that that I was just spewing out. He mm-hmm. understood my my crazy talk. And then we put this thing together, and then the moment we started it up, it was so cool. I remember being in we, – we were taking a, a ceramics class at the same time, it a was, it was sculpture ceramics class. Yeah. And I brought it into the classroom, and I just put a little piece of clay on it, mm-hmm. and I made the the this little um, this like little cup, mm-hmm. and then he went out and rolled out a little handle. And so I made a little, a little uh, coffee mug, a little miniature coffee mug. <laughs> we yeah, we were exactly like yeah, how you're laughing right now. We were just, great. we were just cracking up, and we thought it was the silliest thing ever. But it was so cool; it worked, you know. Yeah, this thing worked, and the whole feeling of like, it was, it was honestly, it was the best feeling ever. It was mm-hmm. better than than this last project that I made.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This more recent one, that one was like the start of it all. It, it kind of like. That got me motivated to eventually end up in that class to start messing out with, with the microcomputer, microcontroller. I always get, you know, I always mix and match. I don't even know if it's the right term, microcomputer. It is. It's a microcomputer. It's, it's
0: controller. Well, yeah, I think a microcomputer is a part of it possibly. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm usually pretty terrible with names of things that I haven't taken one of those courses in years.
1: And so it goes back to what you were saying. It's like... <laughs> That whole time I was doubting myself. I was out there asking people for help, and 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 I felt terrible. I remember calling up my parents and being like, "I just kind of like honestly, I wanted to cry, dude. I know I'm a full grown adult, but it's like it sucks when when things are just <laughs> not going how you want to. Yeah, and you, you your eyes start getting a little watery, you know." <laughs> Like fuck, you know. Like you
0: can use one of those mini cups to catch your
1: teeth. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> well, you can't roll it and then can't sip it. it. <laughs>
0: uh, but you had to be hunched over to make it.
1: Yeah, you
2: don't and have so, your
0: own roller, your own spinner. What are they called? A mini wheel, like wheel. A mini no, you just yeah. call it
1: a pottery wheel. Yeah,
0: pottery wheel. You don't have a mini pottery wheel yeah. to make it, which is the cause of the tears, ironically.
1: Yeah, and and making it was was so cool, and then um, I kind of. Now you know. I just had my parents just picked it up, and and now it's like being taken to San Diego as we speak. Yeah. And I once it's down there, I hope to like make more of the stuff. Also, what's cool about mini pottery, you know, this is what I'm geeking out about, <laughs> is the amount of real estate that they that it takes up within a kiln. When you know a kiln is where you fire ceramics, because they're so tiny, they take up so much surface area mm-hmm. on the thing. You can literally put hundreds, and you can make stacks. Yeah. You know, uh, you can stack shelves within uh, a kiln, and you can fire like hundreds of these things. Mm. And potentially, obviously, if you're looking at, uh, you know, volume per profit, you you could potentially, you know, as a, as a as a starting artist, you know, you make earrings, earrings that could that could be a potential. Yo, people go wild over earrings. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> and I, you know, make them a little bit light. Maybe use uh, um like a lighter clay body yeah. potentially. Yeah, that would be cool, like little jugs, you know? Yeah, People man, like I've it.
0: seen so many crazy earrings since I got to Davis.
1: My sister actually, um, she makes miniature uh, food out of polymer clay. Mm-hmm. So I started, actually bounced an idea, uh, now that you mentioned earrings. She makes, I told her to stick to ethnic foods, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, Mexican food. And I told her that I could make the um, little plates and she could um, super glue the, the miniature food. And we could yeah. potentially make an earring, you know, put a hook or whatever. Yeah. And then uh it would be super cool. Then it adds this like cultural flair, you know? Yeah, that, that maybe people would be interested in. Oh, maybe yeah. they connect more to it. Yeah. It's just something silly and cool, you know? Yeah. And uh it, it really serves no purpose, but but it's just like kind of cool to have.
0: Yeah, but the best things don't serve a purpose. There's mm-hmm. um one of the things uh that happened to me actually same time I was at Tuskegee mm-hmm. is I got really into mathematics. Mm-hmm. Like I was into speech and debate when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I liked sports. You know, I liked a lot of normal shit. But then when I was in high school, like my final year, I I took uh, calculus and Mm -hmm. I really liked it. And one of the general feelings was like every other rational discipline was just so sloppy compared to mathematical thinking that it just seemed like the only thing worth pursuing if I'm going to pursue any of them, Mm -hmm. including philosophy, which I really like. But it just seemed like everything's so fucking sloppy. Like, this is the only one where 100% I'm on board.
1: <laughs> Does it feel cleaner? Like- oh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. it's. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. cutting with a sharp knife when you've had a dull knife your whole life. Mm-hmm. So, um, But it takes some effort to get into it. But once you get into it, then it's like cutting with a sharp knife. Mm-hmm. So when I got into college in Rusky, mm-hmm. um that was like my main... Thing was math, and I don't know somehow connected. What what were we talking about before? Maybe I've been smoking too much of this.
1: We were talking about prototypes, and then and then now we led on to math because you're talking about your experiences back at yeah something
0: something math something (laughs) forgot the general point. (laughs) (laughs) Can I tell you how I started the podcast? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay, so when I first started, when I first thought of it, I was at I was in Alabama, but. I didn't do it. I tried I'd made a couple of prototypes with my friend. We were trying to do a video setup, and then that ended because I went into a, like a deep psychosis. I was like in my senior year. Uh-huh. I, everything was fine. Well, c- could you
1: describe that? Like, I, what? What? What is it? Like, what do you mean? Like a deep psychosis?
0: Yeah, it's uh-huh. like um, it's like Alice in Wonderland.
1: Was it like a bad state of mind, or or more?
0: Well, it can get pretty bad in uh-huh. Wonderland. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so the the central thing that makes it bad in general it's just different Mm -hmm. but the central thing that made it bad for me was uh delusions Mm -hmm. and delusions are beliefs so you like you just suddenly start believing things Mm -hmm. which may or may not be true Mm -hmm. but it's just you don't have the normal um mental capacity to debunk things so you're not aware of them right or you're you're not aware that they're delusions, or even if you are, it's very difficult to get out of them. So if I believe you're a bird, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do to prove to me that you're not a bird. Until that delusion goes away, you're just a bird, mm-hmm. <laughs> or even worse, I'm a bird, oh, dang. right? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm Jesus. There's plenty of religious delusions we can go into, but like uh, the biggest one is conspiracy theories or believing I love
1: conspiracy theories.
0: Well. It, it can be pretty bad if, if you're delusional and you have, you believe that people are out to get you or things like that. Oh, yeah, it can be. Because, well, here's the classic example. What if you think someone's going to kill you and you kill them in self-defense? Well, now you're a murderer. Yeah. That's so crazy. that's how delusions can really fuck up your day. Because yeah.
1: That, I think that would be like worst <laughs>
0: case scenario kind of. That's thing. normal case scenario. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. If you're delusional, you probably think somebody's trying to kill you.
1: It's funny how in the beginning, when I said that, I was like, "What is this stuff? Yeah, MK Ultra." So I was talking about <laughs> like a conspiracy theory, and then that was proven real, right? And well, something's it's like,
0: real, then that's different. But if mm-hmm. it's just just a belief that you, it's really hard to shake. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, um, I ended up doing a carjacking. I got mm-hmm. locked up for a year, and then mm-hmm. when I got out, I finally started a podcast. But mm-hmm. it was different in nature. Yeah. Because now instead of me being at this black college talking about mm-hmm. you know STEM, now I'm like fresh out of jail. Mm-hmm. So and I'm like living at a halfway house, not in school.
1: Is um, is it okay if I ask about the carjacking? Yeah, yeah. I've always been curious because you mentioned it. Obviously, it's maybe because we're in the setting. I feel like more open to ask about it. Well, that's yeah?
0: part of the benefit uh-huh. of this yeah. podcast.
1: It's like, was it was it during one of these delusions or was it just? Something that, like, I would want to, like, get, like, basically put myself in your perspective. Like, why would you do such a thing? Yeah,
0: what is it? Yeah. So, yeah, delusional thinking Mm -hmm. is at the center of it. So, Mm -hmm. I think at the time, depending on which arrest we're talking Mm -hmm. about, um, one of them was a video game delusion. Mm -hmm. And the other one was... Like
1: Grand Theft Auto kind of thing? Yeah.
0: Yes, but Grand Actually, both of them arguably were video game delusions. Mm -hmm. One of them is that there is an external controller, so someone Mm -hmm. is controlling me. Mm -hmm. The other one is I'm in control, but I'm in the Hunger Games, so I have to do extreme things just to protect myself. Mm -hmm. So both of them are false. There's no one controlling my behavior, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't in the Hunger Games. But these are the delusions that I had that motivated me to do th- the mm-hmm. things
1: that I did. At the time, did it feel like cool? Like no, it was no. horrifying. Okay. So, so
0: the, the one, both of them were horrifying. Mm-hmm. One of one of them is horrifying because you don't think you have control of your actions, which is mm-hmm. scary. Um, the other one is horrifying because you think you're in the Hunger Games, which mm-hmm. means if you don't do this extreme shit, then something extreme is going to happen to you.
1: The only way I could relate to that, obviously, I, at least I don't think I've. I had a delusion before in my life, and I would I would not like to have one, you know, or be in one. Yeah. But I, the the way I can relate to you is that I have had plenty of nightmares. Mm-hmm. And in them, it, yeah, I can see how I've been put in, in at least in the nightmares, I've been put in these situations where it's kind of hunger games like your, mm-hmm. your limited resources. People are out to kind of get you. Yeah. And you have to, like, be quick on your feet to think and or you're like being hunted down and in there's like this rush to it at the same time but it is terrifying like you wouldn't want to experience it again but at the same time it's like there's like this weird silver lining where it's like for me it's a little exciting you know it's like yeah you're running around and stuff like that
0: well there i would uh-huh. say it was mostly exciting mm-hmm. just those events weren't exciting mm-hmm. so the way that i framed the psychosis is that mm-hmm. There are times where you're just normal
2: mm-hmm.
0: and there are times where you're normal, but you, something weird happens during the day, mm-hmm. but you know that it's weird. Mm-hmm. And then there's a 50-50 where it's like weird stuff is happening half the time, normal stuff is happening half the time. And usually at that point, you don't really even recognize the weird stuff as weird. And then it's the time where it's almost all abnormal and there's maybe one one normal part of your day or normal part of your week. Then there's a time where there's no normal. Period, period. Like, you might have a normal five minutes out of every mm-hmm. week. And I was in the normal five minutes of every week by the time I started doing criminal stuff. Yeah. But that whole other time was, like, months, right? Mm-hmm. And that whole other time, there were a lot of fun things that happened during that time.
1: So What, what was the... What would you consider, like, during your... Uh, is it appropriate to call it, like, an episode or something? You know, like, well, that's the whole probably, event? That's probably the best way. Um. It's what was, very appropriate. What was the, like, the height of, like, the weirdness? What was the weirdest thing that you experienced? Like, you thought, like, holy shit, this is, this is, this yeah. is, like, way too weird. This is, like, kind of getting out of hand.
0: Well, the, the mm-hmm. problem with it is when, you're, when you recognize that it's getting out of hand, mm-hmm. that's the five minutes of normalness. So,
1: so, so, it's like a window?
0: Yeah, like, you might have some moments where you, where mm-hmm. you have a, a regular reaction to mm-hmm. the world. Like uh, an obvious one is, hey, I'm in a weird place. Like you can be in a situation where uh, I was, for instance, Mm -hmm. where I was traveling a lot. All of it was normal. But then like maybe once or twice during the whole thing, I'd be Mm -hmm. like, hey, uh, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I should Mm -hmm. like be in class right now, (laughs) you know, which is a normal reaction to just like being on a plane Mm -hmm. headed to who knows where, Um, whereas when you're fully in the delusion, you, you should be on that fucking mm-hmm. plane this is exactly where you're supposed to be because mm-hmm. of all these other delusional things that led up to it. so um mm-hmm. yeah I I, I I would I would say that it, it, the the biggest thing that's it's hard to wrap your head around mm-hmm. is I give the broken leg example let's say mm-hmm. you you're a track runner um you you have a certain lap time
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then you break your leg. Well, to say like, Let's make sense of the – a lot of the psychotic stuff without going into all of it. It's kind of like saying let's measure your time. Like still run the lap but with the broken leg versus just saying, wait, let's just not measure the times until they're healed. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like that. You're like, well, it's kind of like what is it like – when your brain is broken. And I can tell you, but everything I tell you is going to be from the delusional perspective. Mm-hmm. There's no way I can tell you what that's like from a normal perspective.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Except actually there's one funny thing, which is that I was in a linguistics class and we were learning about parts of the brain. And I think it was mm-hmm. called like Werner's syndrome or something like that. Mm-hmm. But basically when it comes to speech, there's a part of your brain that like, I think it understands... No, there's a, there's, a part of your, there's a part of your brain that uh, processes what you – that allows you to speak. There's a mm-hmm. part of your brain that allows you to speak. And then there's another part of your brain that's more comprehension-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, even if that's all wrong, let me tell you my experience. I'm talking to this guy on a train. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at me dead in the fa- – and I'm like, hey, I need to use your uh, – do you have a phone I can use? I need to make phone calls. You know, It's very important that I make a phone call. My phone is dead. And he's looking at me. He says, you're not making any sense. What are you saying? And I'm like, I need to use a phone. The phone, I, I, I don't have any phone right now. And it's important that I make phone calls. And he's like, dude, you're not speaking. Gr- I don't know what you're saying. Right. So anyhow, flash forward. I'm in this linguistics class. And they're like, yeah, there's a certain thing where you can speak confidently. But everything that you that you say, it's like a word salad. So you could say like, yeah, and the butter and the the cat, dog, and the gibberish, and 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 there will be people mm-hmm. speaking like this. And and then the, <laughs> and the, the person listening is like, that's not a meaningful sentence.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think I've had that experience because the guy saying, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what you're saying, and me seeing from the outside, hey, maybe that's what it mm-hmm. was like for him. Maybe mm-hmm. for him, I was speaking gibberish to him. But in my mind, everything was making sense. But you can't actually have the outside of your brain experience. So Mm -hmm. all you can do is kind of guess. Like, Mm -hmm. I can tell you what it was like for me. I don't really know for anybody else, like, Mm -hmm. what it might have been like.
1: That makes me wonder about, like, there's this one experience that I had as a kid. Like, I lived in this little house that was, like, at the corner of a block. Yeah. And I remember this one day I was looking out the window because I just heard some lady talking. She was walking up and down the block. Mm-hmm. With with a high heel up to her head, and she was just talking like kind of like if she was on the phone. Mm-hmm. This is in the um, like um, late nineties, right? So like cell phones were like kind of like coming out, kind of thing. It at least becoming more uh, accessible, you know. You, you you started to see it more in in uh, poor poor neighborhoods, and uh, and I was just looking at this lady. We still had quartered phones, you know, landlines in the house. I was looking at this lady with this with this um with a high heel up to up uh, up to her head, and and at the time I didn't know cell phones existed. You know, I was a little kid. And I I was still we still had a landline. Um, so I I asked my mom, hey, what is that lady doing out there? My mom's like, oh, you know, don't stare, um, don't laugh. It's like she's probably like high on on some drug or something. Yeah. And and she's just in her own world, and and this is very sad. You know, you shouldn't. I'm almost telling me don't don't make fun of these people, you know. Yeah, they're going through their own issues. I thought it was hilarious, even though after she told me, you <laughs> it know? was hilarious because it is. There's something comical, you know, about it. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, now obviously now that I'm older, I I see this the, how my mom was viewing it. It's, it's sad, you know. You get into um into an addiction and and you just can't stop it. And her, at least at at least from that early age when I was looking at her, my mom tried to explain to me. I'm like, so her brain is fried kind of thing. Like, she, you know, whatever she used, um, she's not comprehending the world or the reality that she's in, you know?
0: Well, uh-huh. the cause and effect with addiction and mm-hmm. mental illness is not always obvious. Mm-hmm. So the um, the go-to idea is that people are psychologically normal, then they use drugs, and then
1: they're uh, – It heightens it or what makes it worse kind of thing?
0: Well, the, that's what pushes them over the edge. But mm-hmm. the reality is there's kind of a uh, a lot of things are, are playing out at the same time. So mm-hmm. one of the simplest things is like if you um, if your parents are tall,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, then, uh, you know, it's, it's more likely that you will be tall. Mm-hmm. But there are things that you can do in your life to be taller or be shorter mm-hmm. than whatever your genetic potential says mm-hmm. or dictates right it's like you have some kind of a baseline so one some subtle things that can happen is you could be predisposed to have a mental illness and that predisposition might also make it more likely that you try drugs and then trying the drug could then make it more likely that you develop the actual mental illness so then it's kind of like well what was it's a chicken and egg thing and then something else could happen you could be 100% psychologically normal you do enough methamphetamine it will do certain damages to to your brain? In which case, or, you know, you do enough LSD, it'll certainly do this and that to your brain. So that now you have a similar output as someone who was predisposed for mental illness, but never did a drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, schizophrenia. It's very tragic. Is a, yeah, but th- mm-hmm. either way, there's a lot of there's a lot of different routes to get to a lot of mm-hmm. different areas that people would consider mental illness,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's not always clear one that drugs have any role to play in it or two um the extent to which the drugs actually led to mm-hmm. the this or the that
1: mm-hmm. so yeah and then i you know i grew up in in this poor neighborhood in, in san diego and and I, that lady was not the first time that i that would not be the first time that i would see that eventually i i saw the other stuff and and, it, and it's terrifying obviously as a kid you know you're defenseless Ooh. yeah and you're seeing the these full-grown adults like outside your house yeah going through through an episode or whatever they're 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 going through i remember mm-hmm. once there was this guy that was just scratching away at himself mom was like oh that guy probably thinks he has bugs underneath his skin or something like, possibly that's ter- that's- but
0: there's there's a lot that could happen mm-hmm.
1: and there's it, a lot that could lead to that yeah and i'm like that's 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 some spooky stuff you know
0: <laughs> well what's spooky is that your brain is a machine mm-hmm. <laughs> that your entire experience is, is actually being computed on some level. Mm-hmm. That's the real spooky thing, because that's whether or not you have a mental illness. right? Mm-hmm. The fact that you can see colors is mm-hmm. a direct result between your brain and the eyes, no different from the Arduino sensor
2: mm-hmm. and,
0: the, and the computational tool. Mm-hmm. So all that the mental illness is doing or the drugs are doing is playing with the way that your brain and the rest of your mm-hmm. body and the processing and all that is functioning. But the fact that it is functioning, right? The fact that it is on some level a system mm-hmm. is I think far creepier than um any of the specifics of the mental illness.
1: Talking about um kind of like the brain and processing and, and then delusions and stuff like that. One of the th- biggest things that I've been attracted to would is dreams. Yeah. You know, the the how the mind creates these things, you know? In a way mm-hmm. they're kind of delusions in a at least the, the how I see it, but obviously it's labeled as a dream. You're you're resting, where, and then your brain is still active, uh, creating these things. And and I have, you know, I don't know wh- what's wrong with me, but I've had I have constant nightmares. Mm-hmm. But it's gotten to the point where I got in, so you see that I kind of uh, in a weird way enjoy them, and wow. um and then I started to have um or at least I believe that I have some sort of control over them. Not a complete. I have, like, uh, stuff. And I could tell you some interesting ones. And th- th- there's one that's the, the most recent one that's, like, the scariest one. Yeah. And it's scary in the way that some of the the, the characters that, that that pop up in it have been, like, terrifying. Uh, Do you want to hear one of them? Yeah. Okay. So, here's one. This is the one that keeps on playing over in my head over and over again. And the weirdest thing is that. I started to kind of see stuff in real life. This is the scary part where it, it like trickles or or, or it has some sort of effect. And so I had this dream where I'm uh, in the dream. Um, there's parts where I see myself in third person. Yeah. It just it happens random. And then also before I start to get into the dream, there's three types of communication in the dream. There's the, the vocal, you know, the physical kind of like how we're having right now. There's a telepathic. So kind of like a voice in your head or in the environment. I consider that kind of telepathic. Yeah. And then there's the instantaneous where I can or someone can instantaneously send information. It almost feels like at one moment you don't know something and all of a sudden you instantaneously recall it. Kind of like if it yeah. was a memory that you already had, but but you never had it previously. That it, so it's is
0: very uh-huh. right on the money with my delusional yeah. experiences.
1: And you, so you,
0: you realize that you already...
1: Believe something. Yeah. And so, um, and in the beginning of the dream, I see myself as, as kind of like an older version of myself. Slightly older. I would say maybe uh, 10 or 20 years kind of like into the future kind of thing. And I'm entering this house. And the house, I want to describe it. It's, um, it's a wooden floor. And it has kind of like uh, a brick. It's a brick house. Kind of like older style with a, with a front porch. Like a nice wide front porch.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, chimney and stuff like that when i enter the house it's vacant and i can see that there's um those shapes that furniture make like when there's dust you know they and then you remove the piece of furniture and there's like a blank like a dustless area and then there's dust around it uh or like it's been sun bleach kind of like around it especially if it's near a window and so i'm entering this house and i'm looking around and i don't know if i'm about to rent it or if i just bought it or if i'm inspecting i don't know you know Mm -hmm. but i see myself coming into this house and i see these shapes and i'm just walking around kind of like checking out the place and i know that i didn't just break an enter i had a key i opened it so i'm i'm it's somehow i'm like uh it's okay for me to be in there you know mm-hmm. so i'm like looking around and it almost feels like i had never been in there before i had never seen this place and then uh and then in the dream There's these two types of, like, visions or understandings that I have. There's the one where I look at an object and I instantaneously, like, I can see it. It's normal, you know, like, kind of like this glass bowl that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, If, in the dream, if I were to see that, I see it as a glass bowl. And there's another one, another type of vision that when I look at something, it's not only vision, but understanding. I might under, I already know that I'm looking at a glass bowl, but I can't make its structure physically. Mm. So I have to um kind of like point that out first before I start getting deeper into the dream. And so as I'm inspecting this house, I come across a wall, and I know it's a wall, but I'm I'm looking at it, there's something funky about it that I just can't put my finger on it. There's right. something off about it, and my brain cannot process why there's something off. So I decided the first thing to do is like, okay, so I have this object, this wall, yeah, that I can't process for some reason. And it's and it's and it's bothering me. So I reach out to touch it my hand sinks in and instantaneously. So I know like a wall is not supposed to behave like that.
2: Yeah. This is
1: not a regular wall that I'm facing. So in my dream, I decided I I'm thinking this is uh, kind of like I, at this time, I didn't know that I already had control over the dream, but I can, I can think in my dream and, I'm, and in my dream, I start thinking, okay, so my hand went through the wall. Can I go through the wall? So I walk through it. All of a sudden I enter this room and, uh, and I believe it's a room, but at the same time, I feel like I'm out in the open. And it was completely dark. And then there's like this low light. And it shows this like polished cement floor. But it's like a rectangle. But then the rest of the room is like complete darkness. Wow, Just shit. absence of light. There's nothing. I, I don't know how far the room is or how it ends. And so I start walking. And all of a sudden, it almost feels like lights are turning on, but there's no no uh, light source. It, it's kind of like illuminating. And it feels like I'm looking out into the universe. And I kind of see faintly kind of like stars kind of thing. And then I hear a voice. A voice that comes from far away, but it's very strong. And instantaneously, I know that I'm what is speaking to me is is this thing that uh, goes by Starbeast. Or like it is a Starbeast. Yeah. And I started getting frightened. It's like this overwhelming feeling. Oh, shit. That whatever is talking to me is it has some sort of power. And I'm instantly afraid, and and it's the star beast, and it and it starts telling me look look through the glass, look through the looking glass, and these big like kind of like magnifying glass like lift up out of nowhere, and they have these these this metal structure around it, and it's telling me to look through the glass, and a lot of them lift up, you know, I don't know how many feet apart from each other, and they all line up perfectly, and it spreads into like infinity, yeah, and it's telling me to look through the glass. And I'm scared to look through the glass because I don't know whatever's talking to me, you know. I don't know if it's like some sort of demon or some sort of whatever creature it is. I feel like if I were to look into the glass, uh, I'm 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 screwed or something. It's gonna do something weird <laughs> to me. Holy shit! And so, and I remember I had this brown jacket. Well, I don't know if it was like a coat, but I just remember looking and I had like a like a kind of like a like a jacket a brown jacket. And I reach into my pocket, and I'm terrified at this moment. I'm like. I know that in my mind, I'm not going to look through this glass. Mm -hmm. And then I start thinking to myself, I have a green laser pointer in my pocket. And what I pull out was a green laser pointer. Automatically, I I felt like I was in control. And I realized that it is a dream. And 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 I start feeling even more scared because everything feels way too real. I can feel like my hairs and everything. It's just like too vivid. And so, and I get this this uh, idea. I'm like, I'm instead of looking through the glass, you know, to look into its gaze or whatever, I'm gonna shine this green laser pointer and like shoot it in the eye, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I I light I you know from a distance. I put the green laser pointer, turn it on. And it was super intense, and I shoot this beam, and I just like move it around like this. Mm-hmm. Finally, I line it up, and it goes through all the glasses. And I hear this thing roar, like this thing just like a cry in pain. Mm-hmm. And before my vision, it just starts to vibrate as this thing like colla- collapses time and space to, and then it tears through time and space to teleport in front of me. Wow. Like from, it was like way across the universe or something. This thing just like kind of like tore and then it appears before me.
0: What did it look like?
1: This is the thing. I, when, as it was tearing through, I couldn't make sense because my vision was just like it was vibrating and it just felt like it felt loud but without producing sound. It was like the weirdest thing ever, and I know that the star beast is coming at me, you know, at, at full speed. Way, f- it's faster than light speed because it's just tearing through time and space, you know. Yeah. It's not. It's not even traveling really. It's just punch punching right through, and um, and it tells me as it's coming at me, it tells me that it tells me these things. It tells me that in the age of humanity, no one has been able to hurt it before, that I'm the first one. And it appears to me like this beautiful woman, not hmm. like, um, like 50 styles, kind of almost like pin up, but not really 100%. Very classy, you know? She appears to me. Latinx. <laughs> yeah, Latinx. <laughs> and, <laughs> Better be, right? And all of a sudden, like I I don't even blink or anything. And I'm sitting down in a wooden chair. There's a table and she's in front of me. I didn't even blink. It just instantaneously happened. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, when, when was this? And now we're in a room. With like kind of like a nice carpet, bookshelves, kind of cozy, you know. And then and then uh, and then she tells me that she wants to get to know me better, Ooh. and the way we're gonna go about it is through a meal. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I see a staircase behind her, like this wooden staircase, and this man ascends down, and comes ch- comes towards me. And it's hol- and I know that he's holding a platter full of food. And when I look up to see his face, I know that he has two eyes and a nose and a mouth. My brain is telling me, okay, he has these, these human features, but I cannot recognize his face. I, his, he does not really have a face. He's not faceless. Mm-hmm. He has a nose, eyes, and everything, but I can't process it. Yeah. And I start feeling freaked out. And then it puts a plate of food in front of me. And in a sense, I, I can smell the food it doesn't it has a smell but it doesn't have a smell that's recognizable and i know that there's food there but i don't know what type of food and she tells me what do you want to eat and in my mind i was like wait but the food's already in front of us how am i going to ask you what we like you're asking me what we're going to eat and then it's going to it's going to appear or something you know and so me being silly i'm like okay i want some chicken wings hey, and nothing so wrong with that yeah nothing wrong and all of a sudden when i look back down at the platter there's five chicken wings, each one is a different flavor. Hmm. And I could tell because it was a different coloration. I'm like, okay, maybe one of them is spicy. Maybe one of them is barbecue or something, right? You like spicy food, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> I like spicy food. And so I, I'm I like chicken wings and I like different flavors. And so it's like when I later on when I woke up, I'm like, okay, that's very me, you know? That's like something I would eat, you know? I like having different little choices. And the way she was gonna get to know me was I had to pick up each chicken wing. I know this is going to sound really funny. And I had to feed her. She would eat it and then she would get to know me. And as she got to know me, she's looking at me. And then she says that I can have anything that I want. I can make any wish. And at the time, I'm very terrified because I'm like, I heard stories of like demons asking people what you want. And there's always like a catch to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you ask for something, people might want to um go for like money or or something physical there's always some some like messed up catch to it you know
2: yeah
1: like some like you know something really fucked up about it so i'm terrified and i'm and i know that i'm not going to ask i'm not going to be greedy at all i'm not going to ask for any riches or power or anything but maybe i can ask it for something that's going to hurt it something that can give me the upper hand or something you know yeah i'm already screwed i'm already sitting in front of this this thing this thing might not is not happy at me i know that She's not showing any facial expressions. I'm already scared. I'm already, like, I know that I'm weaker. So I tell her or the Star Beast, whatever. I, and I know that it's not really her at the same time. It's not, it, it doesn't really matter if it's a she. She just appeared like, the Star Beast appeared a, as a woman in front of me. So I asked the Star Beast, I'm like, I want your eye. And she looks at me. And She went from not having a facial expression the whole time to ha- to displaying anger. And I knew I, I, had, I had the upper hand a mm. moment you know she told me I, I can have anything so i want your eye and so she looks at me and then she reaches i knew that she i she opened up her hand she didn't have anything she closes it and goes like this and opens it up and then there's this white glass eye and i reach to touch it the moment when i touch it i instantaneously know that that single glass eye is called the medusa's gaze and so the moment i touched it i start seeing visions of this battlefield and it's and the, the the ground is charred and everything. And then there's these soldiers that are like advancing. And I can't tell really the era, just like guys with rifles. I, I can't really make out the, the time frame or anything. Postmodern times, probably. Yeah, maybe postmodern <laughs> times, right? And it's like the this whole battlefield has been wasted. And I know it's a combat zone because there's dead soldiers and there's rifles. I if, if I hear gunshots and stuff going on, and they're like advancing and they're trying to sneak. And then there's this man that's just standing there with like kind of like a black trench coat kind of thing, almost like funny, you know, funny thing, almost like Matrix, like right? There's this guy <laughs> with black gloves, yeah, bald, and and I'm seeing this from like uh like this third perspective, right? And as he starts turning, I see that it's me with a white glass eye, and then he looks at the soldier and he just like as as this is uh, unfolding, this the uh, star beast tells me. That with the Medusa's gaze, I'm able to unsee the unsee, the unseen. And I'm also able to vanquish armies, like destroy entire armies. And as I'm looking at the soldiers, I just like tear them apart. Some guy gets boils and just starts screaming. Some guy just gets torn up into pieces. So I, I in a way instantaneously I see that he was able to see these soldiers that were stinking upon him, and he was able to just wipe them out. And I freak out, and I just snatch that eye from her hand. And when I look at her face, she has an empty eye socket, and it's just like bleeding out. And it was like horrifying. And I just put it into my coat. And all of a sudden, I'm upright again, and I'm back to like you know the the cement slab, you know. And the the room starts to vibrate as she starts to collapse time and space to get out of there. And she tells me that. She has no re- no no reason to be in my reality anymore. That uh, you know, she's leaving, and right at that moment where she tears and jumps, the the that 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 jump, I get to see its like true form, and it was this beast like with all like a thousand arms, and then there was like one eye just kind of staring at me, and I knew that I had other eyes, and at that very moment I knew that its other eyes were looking at other realities. And I was just freaked out. And then, boom, it was gone. And so I got to see its true form for a split second. Maybe it was because of the eye or something. I don't know. And I'm like, okay. I'm freaked out a little bit. I'm shaking. I'm like, okay, I survived. I'm going to get out of this room now. So I start walking out the same place that I that I came from. And I go through the wall. Now I'm back into the house with the dust and everything. And I'm like, okay, did that just happen? I reach into my coat this is the scariest part reach into my coat when I, where I pull out it's the gl- white glass eye and then I woke up from that dream and and so I'm like okay that that was that was a very vivid freaky dream right and then afterwards I started having other dreams where she appears and sometimes it's a bloody eye socket or sometimes she has the eye back in and I'm in and there's always something going on where I'm like i'm stressed out or i'm in danger or something but in a way even though it was like a pretty frightening experience i felt a little bit safer now that i had this object you know
2: hmm.
1: it's like oh i forgot to mention one thing when if when i first i forgot to mention this part about the dream when it first started speaking to me and i instantaneously knew that it was a starbees. um it it told me that um I know that I don't if you ever seen Hellraiser, there's this line that had said. No. he says that I I might be butchering it, but he says that to some he's he's de- he's a demon and to others an angel. The Starbeast kind of said the same thing, like to some I'm I'm a demon to some I'm an angel. And I was like, this is fr- pretty freaky, you know, whatever, whatever's talking to me. I, I don't know what the hell it is. And when I woke up, obviously, you know, you wake up cold sweat. It's a nightmare, whatever, you know. It's mm-hmm. not real. I go about my day. But it, it stuck in the back of my head. And as I had more nightmares with this creature popping up, s- same woman and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, this is like, I don't know if I'm being haunted by this thing or what it is. But at the same time, I was like enjoying it. So it's like this sense of fear and enjoyment, mm-hmm. kind of like intermingle or intermix. And kind of like to pull it back to our uh, original conversation about like delusions and stuff like that, I started to wonder like, what is my brain doing, you know? Yeah. Like.
0: But that's, it should be doing mm-hmm. that when you're asleep. Yeah. It's
1: different when it's doing that when you're yeah, awake. Yeah, I know. It, it's. I think it's much <laughs> scarier if it's doing that while you're awake. Like, to you know, to handle that, to go through that.
0: It could be. It mm-hmm. could be just fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of want, like, in a weird way, I kind of want that. Do some LSD. Do
0: some shrooms, actually. Oh. Fuck LSD. Do some shrooms. Just smoke a lot of weed one day. Do an edible. Okay.
2: Do
1: an edible. You'll get
0: there. And then you'll come back.
1: That's the difference. Do you
0: ever come back? I mean, yeah, it's, it, it can get pretty bad, but also it's not always that bad. Yeah. And sometimes some people would say that it just depends on your environment and it depends mm-hmm. on how you react to whatever you see and um, how, how do you react to your own fear, mm-hmm. you know? If you are scared, if you think something's going to happen, sometimes being scared is the right solution. Other times, calming down is the right solution. Mm-hmm. Other times this, other times that. And it just depends on what situation you're in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, reacting too fast, reacting too slow, it's it's too hard to say. But
2: mm-hmm. it
0: is interesting the way the mind works, especially when you say things like um, you, you can know that something's there without being able to perceive it. I think mm-hmm. that's a very real part of the way that the brain works for everyone, that maybe you and I have gotten to experience a little bit more vividly. But it's true for everyone on some level that, like, you have these intuitions in addition to your actual sensory experiences. And in my view, the intuitions are actually what's driving you more than what you actually see. Like, people say seeing is believing. But really, I think you believe... What you see. I, I think that seeing doesn't matter when you don't believe <laughs> mm-hmm. like and if you believe something else this is well documented if you believe something very <coughs> like super strong super confidently then seeing counter evidence just strengthens that belief it's not mm-hmm. going to debunk it for you so i don't know there's this kind of ebb and flow but i it, i feel like an experimentalist on accident i'm not trying to right mm-hmm. but I feel like it's cool to get to see things at the bleeding edge or see things that are that are unusual, but they are true. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> and through dreams, you can yeah. see. So I, I dream, but I don't dream as often as I used to. And it's almost always positive. I haven't had a nightmare in like... I Probably wish I had the positive words. Yeah, they're all amazing. They're all like, you know, save the world type of stuff, just d- deep wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to kick it with Gandhi or something. Oh, dude, I wish I had those. <laughs> yes. I, I, don't if, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I
1: feel bad telling you this. Yeah. I don't know if I'm having nightmares because I, I know I've been super stressed. I don't know if that's just my mind, like, yeah. like, hey, dude, get some more stress, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But I wish I was like, <laughs> kicking it with Gandhi, Snoop Dogg, and and the yeah. whole crew, you know.
0: <laughs> well, Snoop Dogg might be a little bit of a nightmare depending on oh, who you're God. into. Oh,
1: how <laughs> how would he be a nightmare?
0: Well, Snoop is uh, he's a cool character because he mm-hmm. was um, he was kind of marketed like the same way that YG is marketed now. Mm-hmm. Right? He's super gang affiliated guy when he was a, mm-hmm. when he was younger, and now he's seen more as a laid back. Kind of daddy, you know, dad type of guy, Mm -hmm. smooth guy, but man, that guy, you know, basically what I'm saying is there was a real growth Mm -hmm.
1: over time like mature maturity, kind of yeah,
0: maturity and like a value of a lot of those softer things. Obviously, I wasn't a gang gang dude wouldn't mm -hmm. value.
1: Obviously, I wasn't around during the time where uh, Snoop Dogg was like gangster or whatever, yeah, but um, at least. Now I see him, uh, exactly what you're saying, like, very chill. I watched those um, interviews with, um, what is it called? Uh, uh, Nar Ward? Yeah. Or, you know? Yeah. I and know he interviews uh, Snoop Dogg, and I oh, love it. I remember one where where he, uh, Snoop Dogg is like, is it okay if, you know, I roll a joint? And he starts rolling it. And then he starts microwaving it. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what is he doing? And then he explains it. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty smart, right? And and he's just so chill. And then he's a character, you know, he's a character. And it's and, you know. And then you have Nardwar that's a completely different character, you know? Yeah. And it's like, but they just go great hand in hand. And I can see why they continuously do interviews, you know? And I feel like they have like this cool friendship going on. And I'm like, oh, these guys are super dope. I wish I was there in that room with them. Really? during the, the interview, yeah. With
0: Nardwar, it always seems like the people are annoyed by it. Well, not
1: Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, I feel like he loves him. I haven't seen
0: that many, to be fair. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that many of his interviews. But maybe the last one I saw, I don't know. They seemed annoyed.
1: There are some people that get annoyed with him. And maybe it's because they just, they don't, you know, different (laughs) energy level or whatever. (laughs) However you want to see it, right? (laughs) But but there are some people that just love him because he knows so much. Like he does so much research. I feel like. He's not just asking, like, these um, superficial questions. He kind of, like, figures out, you know, what type of favorite cereal do you like and stuff like that. <laughs> he really gets, like, where people feel like, okay, this guy. Sometimes some people take it the wrong way. Like, what are you, like, FBI? Like, some people have mentioned that. Yeah. But some people are like, wow, you know that? That's, that's super cool. Like, I don't know. Someone would research me kind of thing. And they yeah. feel flattered. And, and then they start developing some sort of connection in, in that short time frame. And then Narwhar gives him gifts, and it's like if I feel like when he interviews these artists, I feel like their right approach should be like l- let let him do his weirdness and just uh, accept it and embrace it and accept the gifts and stuff and just 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 be chill with it, man. I feel like at least with the Snoop Dogg interviews, he has I think those are the most that he has done with like one individual person. Yeah, he's so laid back and chill, and just accepts Narwhar for who he is. Narward accepts him for who he is. And they're like the two best bros kind of thing. And it's just like, I'm like, dang, that's super cool. This is interesting. And I wish that they did more. I wish that they ha- they just had a show by themselves, you know? Yeah. The Norwood slash Snoop Dogg show. <laughs> and, and just, you know, and uh, I don't know. They could talk about any random thing and I would watch it, man. Wow. They could talk about, you know. Back to the chicken wings, making your the, the best chicken wing ever. I would totally watch, I would watch them t- just talk about paint drying, you know. <laughs> I, I would totally watch it because I think that they could make it interesting.
0: But what do you, uh, do you, you know about Snoop show? Uh,
1: he he, he's this, on a couple, uh, internet
0: right? Show, GGN.
1: I think I've seen a couple. <laughs> it's because it became kind of like a meme, like little memes came out of it. I have no idea. I think I remember seeing one where I don't know if if, if my mind my memory serving me right but it was like snoop dogg with some other rappers Mm -hmm. and and they were like talking about i don't know if it was like sneakers or something and i was like this is interesting right but not as interesting as the the an slash snoop die yeah as
0: far as the research Uh i mean Nardwar is up there yeah and it's a very specific brand if you like it you you probably love it
1: yeah and i just love it and then then the the pose that he does at that it's like it's it feels so crazy and chaotic, but so polished at the same time. It's like this good mix. Yeah, and it's like wow, you know. And then, and then Snoop Dogg, he's like this other character, and and um, I've seen some of the stuff that that he talks about. Like, I think stuff that happens to him is kind of funny. I remember once where they were talking about um, I don't know if it was exactly with Norward, it was maybe with someone else. Was talking about his experience where they hadn't played like some new Call of Duty game or something at the time. Mm-hmm. And he just wanted to like smoke a joint and stuff and like i don't know if i'm getting the story right but it's like probably they were not cool with that <laughs> so it's like it's just funny seeing them try to put snoop Dogg in some like weird situations kind of thing yeah. you know because he th- like anyone that does any basic research on him they know that he smokes yeah he does music that's that's just like his character you know right <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna speak his mind he's gonna say what he wants and he seems like a very genuine, like genuine guy, kind of polite. At least that's how he comes off to me. He's just cool, you know. And and if and if you mess with his flow, it's not. He's not cool anymore with that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why would they make him play a video game? Maybe he plays video games. I don't know. You know, he can do his own thing. I don't care. <laughs> but it's like, it's like don't throw him in some weird spots where he can't. He can't be himself, kind of thing. Yeah he agreed to do some interview where I'm he's not, playing video games i'm assuming no i think maybe i don't know much about his personal life but i'm assuming like his manager or something got got him a gig uh, P- probably you know with money it's like hey dude i wanna do this quick thing play some quick video game get some quick cash kind of thing i done those before like well not at his level but like I remember going in the swami he's like, want to watch this this trailer for the movie and tell us your opinion for a dollar or something? I'm like, "Oh yeah. You know? Yeah, but that's, I'll do I
0: mean, the average person who has to worry about their finances, that's one thing. Mm. If
1: you're already pretty established. Yeah, that's true. You could you have, have said hell no. have to
0: pick up some silly
1: thing. But at the same time, it's kind of cool. Maybe he was just like but curious. Maybe wants to, I, wish, I wish I could see into his mind and see how he thinks. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Same, same thing with Narguard and all these other guys, like. It's interesting. I just find it, like, very intriguing kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Even, like, talking to you, I want to get into your mind and and just see how you see things, your perspective.
0: Yeah. Well, my perspective is not that hard to understand. (laughs) It's pretty pretty boring. It's basically so um, it goes back to a lot of the chef stuff.
1: But Mm -hmm.
0: the beginning is that um, everybody's going to die. Mm -hmm. that's like the first thing you got to understand understand my perspective
1: Mm -hmm. i agree with it
0: yeah this the second thing is okay so what are you going to do while you're alive and (laughs) that i think is the beginning of my obsession with prototyping it's Mm -hmm. that a part of it is on one hand you can train somebody to do something specific Mm -hmm. but if you train them how to generally think and solve problems It's going to do a lot more than get them a job or this or this or that. Mm -hmm. It's a life skill because in life, you have to decide what you're going to do and you have to do it. Mm -hmm. You have to persevere through stuff. So the same skills that you're building when you're prototyping, when you're cooking, right? That's what you have to do in general as a human, period. And I think... If you understand that and you accept that as a basic reality of our existential truth of like this is what's going on right now, mm-hmm. then that's all you have to understand to understand my perspective. Why chefs? Why sheep? Why do a podcast? Why live in the domes? Mm-hmm. Why do this? Why do that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's all the same thing, which is that you have to come up with some way of living. Mm-hmm. And what most people arguably do is they just download whatever way of living from the people who came before them. Mm-hmm. And to a large extent, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But there's also new options. Mm-hmm. There's also new paths that you can go down. And you shouldn't be hesitant to explore those. Maybe the thing worth doing for you, like your little mini wheel, right? Or mm-hmm. mini, I forgot what you call it, mini pottery. Yeah, pottery, pottery wheel. Pottery wheel. Yeah. Um, sometimes the most optimal solution for what you want mm-hmm. is not already out there. So mm-hmm. you have to have the skill to actually bring it into reality in order to complete your meal. And if your meal is different than somebody else's, that's perfectly fine. In fact, you should expect that if you're a real chef. Mm-hmm. If you're actually cooking, you're prototyping. Not because you want to, because you have to as a life skill. Mm-hmm. And every as soon as you stop doing that... To me, that just means you're cooking somebody else's meal, Mm -hmm. which is okay, but it's not the most optimal way to live. Mm -hmm. So that's basically the summary of my perspective. Is that you
1: started saying that it was a boring perspective? I'm like, that's it's it's,
0: boring because it's all the same thing. You're just doing one thing, cooking, and then you die. You live. You you're born. You cook, and then you die. It's interesting. The the details of what that is for each person is going to be different, Mm -hmm. and. You have to learn first of all what's the same about all of them connects everyone, mm-hmm. and what's different makes you unique, and both of those are positive
1: things. No, I see your perspective as interesting. No, it's it's exciting. It's not boring. I would say, I think it's the opposite because well, the cooking is different.
0: It's every, exactly that's everyone. Exciting every chef must cook. Uh-huh. Chefs keep cooking, but what like you personally? Mm-hmm. What that means for you personally could be wildly mm-hmm. different. For me, it mm-hmm. means. I got to talk to people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: For somebody else, it means working in an oil field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's for them. And this is for me.
2: For,
0: for, for you, you, it involves mm-hmm. your mini pottery wheel. That's not for yeah, me. Yeah. If I were to do the exact same project, it wouldn't be nearly as fulfilling for mm-hmm. me.
1: And what do you get out of talking to people? Like, How is that fulfilling to you?
0: Yeah. No. So yeah. so basically, I get a a better model of what people are like. Uh-huh. So a big part of my psychology is uh-huh. I grew up without my parents. Uh-huh. So I I was raised by my aunt and my uncle. And as I was kind of going through elementary uh-huh. school, I would observe other people interacting with their parents. And my reaction to that, I know everybody reacts differently, but my reaction to that was like, man, I'm so glad I'm not living with my parents. Not Whine. any down thing to them, but because I felt like because I didn't automatically feel attached to any adult, I had the option of picking from any adult for who I wanted to be my mentor. So I I personally feel like my mentor, I always had like five or six mentors at every mm-hmm. point in my life because I just gravitated toward people mm-hmm who had skills that I cared about. And sometimes it was, you know, family members, my my uncle, whatever. But most of the time, it was just like r- kind of random people that were just adults. And for whatever reason, they were willing to put up with me. Mm-hmm. So a, a big part of my childhood was like getting, like learning how to be a great mentee. Mm-hmm. So I see it as like there's competition for, if, if you use the analogy of students and teachers, the great Teachers want good students and the good students want good teachers, but there are several good teachers and several good students. So there's like this kind of ebb and flow of competition for like, can I get with the, the greatest teacher that I can get with? Mm-hmm. And then for the teachers, well, can I get the best students that I can get? Mm-hmm. And there's a balancing point. And one of the things that I felt like not being around my parents allowed me to do was mm-hmm. I saw this ebb and flow since I was in like second grade. Mm -hmm. and since I cared about it that early on, by the time I was in like middle school or high school, I would just run laps around people because the way that I move through the world is very much like, you know, I need to cook. Mm -hmm. So similar to you finding that woodshop person, that's Mm -hmm. so much of the challenge. The challenges are really like, can I find mentors? Can I develop skills? Mm -hmm. But the order is, can I develop skills? Can I find mentors? Mm -hmm. Because like you, When you develop skills, you become a better candidate for your specific mentors. Mm -hmm. So the ebb and flow is like if you do what you want to do as hard as possible, you attract the people who are looking for those character traits in their mentees. And if you can do that, if you can keep that game going, then you just you're always going to have a mentor. That's super cool. Yeah. So, again, you just cook. That's the solution. It's always cook
1: harder. It's always step your chef game up is always the solution, basically. What, I, what I'm what i really digging about your perspective, you know, in your, in your personal situation, I see how you took something that maybe, you know, the normal person that does, you know, have a mom and a dad. Yeah. If they were to get stripped of that, they would see it as a negative. I probably seeing, did for you know,
0: a while before all yeah. of this, but yeah.
1: <laughs> but I, I see how you can turn it into a positive and, and I like that, you know? Yeah. I like that idea that how, exactly like you explained, you can pick and choose. You dementors. can choose, yeah. Pick I, and choose your own adventure yeah, kind like, of thing. Yeah, it's like
0: yeah. everyone else has an assigned mentor. Yeah. I'm a free agent. Yeah. So anybody who's down to help me they're on my team whereas for other people that's still true
2: mm-hmm.
0: but there's a buffer because they 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 still default to their parents mm-hmm. whereas to me there's no buffer at all as mm-hmm. soon as i find a better mentor that's if they're mm-hmm. willing to have me that's it and that's kind of dictated my growth and it's been very um it's been very cool to, 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 to be able to do that. And uh, the extreme examples are from jail. So I went mm-hmm. to jail
1: mm-hmm. as
0: a college-educated person. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know. Can I
1: ask you, at What age? Like, what, how long ago? Uh,
0: like, this was in 2015. So, 15. so I was 21, 22, mm-hmm. maybe to, probably 22. And, um, of course, you know, uh, jail is, like, largely where the people who don't have high school diplomas mm-hmm. and don't want them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's the majority of the population in jail. People overwhelmingly are, you know, getting ready to go to prison. In fact, one of the weird things is prison by most inmates is seen as better than jail, even though it's the place where you go if you have, you know, uh, felonies. Why? And Because apparently they say, and, you know, who knows what the motivation for this is, but they say that the conditions are better because it's designed for people to live there. So people do life in prison, but jail is only for one year. I mean, now it's different in California because there's overpopulation. Some people serve prison sentences in jails. But generally speaking, jails are for one year or less. Prisons are for one year or more. So people say the conditions are slightly better. I don't know. I didn't go to prison. Mm -hmm. But um, when I went in, this this mentality of like, I am already – Good at finding mentors and not really compromising is very helpful because you're you're less desperate you know like even though I had no street knowledge I mean I was crazy that was what I had going for me um, but I didn't really know anything about the the world of the streets. I was just a college student who lost his mind and then ended up there. There are a lot of things about um, being kind of uh open to whatever is being offered and understanding the, the mentor mentee relationship that made things really easy for me. Um, even though I didn't know anybody and even though it was actually a potentially dangerous place. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one of the crazy things is I saw this guy get jumped and, uh, what was the reason? I don't know. To Mm -hmm. this day, I still don't Mm -hmm. know. And, um, and he and his cousin or something, he and whoever he came in with got jumped, but they were only there for two days. And they were like street guys. You know, they, they, they like they were involved in a bunch of criminal activity before they had been to jail before. And I had been there for maybe two months.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm watching this guy get his face stomped out. And I'm just thinking like, how bad do you have to mess up <laughs> to where the guy who went to college studying like, you know, advanced math. I was a math dude in college. I was doing linear algebra on winter break. How is it that that guy is better at surviving in jail than you?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I realized, like, there's a lot to say about adaptability that came from those earlier years mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I just didn't realize that other people weren't developing in that way.
1: Maybe these variables just, like, lined up and he created the perfect he kind pissed of He like people off, yeah. but
0: he wasn't able to undo it. You know, like, yeah, you might get people annoyed, but like there's Mm got to be like there's usually some options Mm -hmm. unless unless he was a snitch, then there's no option. But Mm -hmm. how would anybody know that you were a snitch? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's got to be something that you've done to out yourself. Anyhow. um, Yeah. One of the weird things is I started rapping in jail and Mm -hmm. like. uh, Did other people enjoy it or. Yeah, people really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Be- what I was going to say is there's, there's producers there. First of all, obviously mm-hmm. there are rappers, but there are people who produce music and they're like, it might not be a bad thing for you to actually try to make money rapping. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's an option, right? And I'm like, yeah, but I like doing stuff for fun, you know? Mm-hmm. I like the purity of it. For me, it's like journaling. Mm-hmm. And um, you realize after, like, there are people who are willing to fight for me. Why? Mm-hmm. Because of stupid stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember one time uh, there was this older guy mm-hmm. and we were all sitting down at a table and mm-hmm. there's seniority rules for chairs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, he's like, um, I didn't really give a fuck about the seniority rules. But I had been there for long enough so that I had a chair. I had a spot at the table. And I said, man, if you want to just sit in my chair, it's fine. I don't really give a fuck. And he he came up to me and he said, you know, I really respect what you did there. You know, I like how you're you're looking out for your elders. And I said, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. But, you know, for what it's worth, thanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then uh, later on, I ended up getting moved to another facility. That guy was in the other facility. And he was like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. And uh, I went out for a walk because I go for strolls, you know. I like to think things through. Mm-hmm. and this guy was like I'll shadow you. <laughs> and I was like yeah I mean not really necessary. I don't have a problem with anybody or anything but mm-hmm. thanks. He's like no no no. I got you. And then from then on he was like my goon mm-hmm. for the t- until I left, mm-hmm. which was weird, but it was a situation where it was like, well I I think I think what has happened is he is interested in a certain kind of a community lifestyle where people watch each other's back. And he sees me as someone who's a great candidate for that because I gave him a chair. Did I want to sign up for anything? No. But these are the small little things that it turned out. Now, if there would have been a riot, it would have been a big deal that I had someone looking out for me. Mm-hmm. So luckily there wasn't. But um, there, um I, I feel like there are a lot of – uh kind of small examples that I probably didn't even pick the best mm-hmm. where it's like viewing the world in terms of like, I have the things I want to do and I'm just going to do those things as well as I can possibly do them. And then um, hopefully I'll recruit some mentors who value oh. whatever I'm doing.
1: The way I see <laughs> the the story that you said, it's like that random act of kindness or at least maybe that's how he viewed it. Yeah. He, 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 Took it and then looked at you and kind of like, his interpretation of you was what he kind of, kind of like, that's what, um, what he values in life. Like Right. So it's like, I heard it before from older people, like having the sense of, you know, the, you know, the senior, the older one, you know, the wise one gets respected by the younger ones. And it's, it's a cool dynamic in a way, you know, the whole sensei and then. The student, kind of like how you were mentioning you know, before. Yeah. And maybe he just like, he just thought you were a pretty dope guy. And that reminds me of a story. I have like this kind of like a dark story that I'm going to tell you. My dad tells me, he says that when he was younger, um, he was down in Mexico and he got a job at this place where they would uh, can like jalapenos and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And um, they would also, um, they would ship, he would just load pallets onto... Onto trucks. And they had jalapenos and sodas and shit like that. And he says that um, he was on the way to work. He was just pushing his dolly with uh, a bunch of sodas. Mm -hmm. And he saw that there was uh, this homeless guy out there. Right? And they were selling uh, these things called tortas, which is like... uh, You know what torta is, right? Yeah. California. Um, (laughs) And they were selling tortas and... This guy was just kind of like looking, and my dad says that he went and bought one, and he was about to bite it, and this homeless guy was just looking at him. My dad felt like so bad for him. He's like, fuck. Like, he's hungry, man. Like, he couldn't yeah. he couldn't live. He, could, he couldn't he could enjoy it, this guy staring at him. Yeah. So, he went up to the guy, and he's like, hey, do you want half of it? Like, I'm willing to share, because I'm hungry, you know? I'm going to share half of it with you. And he's like, and." See so my stack of sodas? Like, you can, um, you can take one from the bottom. Like, my company won't notice, you know, my boss won't notice. So, he goes and he takes one of the sodas from the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. and then he breaks, you know, he rips the torta in half, gives it to the guy, and the guy eats it, drinks the soda. And my dad, you know, he had his quick lunch, then he takes the, you know, the little dolly full of sodas. My dad said that the, like, Some time went by. He never uh, disclosed how long. And uh, there was this one day where he was walking towards work, and the homeless guy guy appears. And he starts telling my dad, hey, go buy yourself a cup of coffee. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. The guy's like, go buy yourself a cup of coffee right now. My dad's like, why? He's like, go. And the homeless man hands him the money. Go buy yourself a cup of coffee right now. My dad's like, dude, what the hell? Like, wh- wh- why? You know? Yeah. And he says that he just punched my, my, this guy punched my dad. Like, go buy your, right. I'm telling you. go Just go in there, buy your cup of coffee. My dad's like, this guy's fucking crazy. You yeah. know? Like, I don't know why he's doing. So my dad, he said that he went into the coffee shop and the homeless guy was just staring at him. I was like, okay, this is freaky. And he was like much older and stronger. So my dad's like, he's he's a little spooked. He's like, I am just going to hang out in this coffee shop. I'm going to drink the coffee, and and when he's not looking, I'm just going (laughs) to run out and go back to work, you know? Yeah. My dad said that he was just drinking the coffee, and then he fell asleep because he he was just waiting. He got a little—he was a little sleepy, fell asleep, and when he woke up, he saw that there was, like, police and stuff like that outside. Yeah. What ended up happening when my dad found out was that um, the place where he was loading up the pallets full of um, jalapenos and stuff, They actually had drug inside the the things. What ended up happening that day was some guy showed up with machine guns and they killed all the people inside the warehouse. Even the the truck drivers. And And they stole all the drugs. All the canned jalapenos. Holy shit. So this guy saved my dad's life. This guy was in on it. He was out there stalking the whole thing. He knew everything. The attack, this homeless guy, he was Jesus not homeless. Christ. My dad was like, holy fuck. If I had had him about this guy, like giving him half my doors and a soda, <laughs> I would have been dead. Yeah. You know? That's that's insane. That's insane. Probably, you know, my dad, my dad has told me, he's like, maybe this guy just saw that, you know, I didn't deserve that kind of faith or something. Damn. Then, you know? He just saw something in me that's like.
0: Yeah, you, that's you know? pretty wild, man. That yeah.
1: is, that's. Yeah. My dad said that he, once that happened, he fucking bolted out of there. Like, he like he didn't show up again to work, well, obviously, you know? He's not going to come back. No, there's no yeah.
2: reason. That's, he said that it was a wild.
1: A
0: safe work environment. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, oh my God. Yeah. But it's scary uh, that, you know, some guy out there in plain sight was not who he was, you know? Yeah. He was like some some lurker, some uh, shadow man, you know? Um,
2: Shadow man.
1: And in Uh, a way, he was like my dad's guardian angel. He is. Angel of death and a a guardian angel. He was both. Damn. You know?
0: Well, to some, he's an angel. And to others, he's a demon. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Exactly. All over. The star beast, right? He
0: is the star beast.
1: Damn. Yeah, my dad said that. And he, he was just like. He felt like, you know, the guy guy saved his life, you know? Yeah, he did. He definitely
0: saved his life.
1: And and he quickly, like, he knew that... Like, if the guy would have said, you can't go over there, they're going to shoot up the place, you know? My dudes or whatever. Yeah. Like, it was like, it would blow... It would compromise the whole thing, you know? Yeah. And so, it's like, maybe this guy was an expert at doing this type of shit, you know? Mm. Hiding wasn't his first rodeo kind of thing. Yeah. freaky. My dad said that he doesn't remember how the guy looked. It was like so crazy. It was a blur, you know? Yeah. It was just, it's crazy as hell. Wow. wow.
0: That's amazing.
1: So it's kind of like almost similar, like obviously not that it's an extreme, but it's like. Well, that's, uh-huh. yeah.
0: Luckily that didn't have to ever mm-hmm. happen. But ever. like
1: with you, the guy saw a quality in you maybe same thing with my dad's story. He saw a quality in him that. Just kind of clicks right, you know? Yeah. Like, this guy's dope, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I like his energy. I like who he is, kind of a Yeah. I want him to continue to exist, kind of thing.
0: Although there is, so there is another side to the whole mm-hmm. thing that I think uh, is more close to where I am now, mm-hmm. which isn't so much about uh, mentorship as it is colleagues mm-hmm. or like, uh, what, that's not the right word, um, collaborations. So the, the with the mentor, the, the mentor's above you, but mm-hmm. with the collaboration, you're just like you want to work with people, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like I'm largely building up for collaborations mm-hmm. more now in my at this point in my life than I am mentors because it's like there's it, there might not be anyone who knows how to do the one thing that mm-hmm. I want to do like it's mentorship works more when somebody already understands the ins and outs and they're teaching you.
1: What do you want to do? What's your mission?
0: Yeah. um, I would say, um, well, I'm playing around with this idea that culture is free.
1: Culture is free. What Um, do you mean by that?
0: That um, if you're, it's free if you're born into it. So what I mean Mm -hmm. is if you're born into a, a wealthy family, then you get to learn about money management for free Uh, or if you're if you're born into uh, a culture that values rhythm Mm -hmm. then um, you get to learn a lot of things related to uh, timing Mm -hmm. without ever having to to fight for it
1: that almost sounds like this is going to be super nerdy what i'm about to say but like some of the role-playing games you know like tabletop like kind of like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. yeah. I used to play Pathfinder with, some, with a friend down in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm going to draw the connection. There's different classes, like different races. Mm-hmm. And for example, um, the half elves, you know, uh, because they're elf mm-hmm. and they're half human. Because they're, the elf part lets them see in, in uh, low light conditions. Mm-hmm. So they have low light vision, which is great if you're entering like place like a dungeon and you, may, you might have a torch so it's like low light they can see a little bit clearer more than just a regular human so they get instantly they get like a an added buff just for how they were born kind of thing. exactly and then and then you have um other characters like you know and each one has different some, some there's some races that have dark vision so if it's completely it's black they can clearly They're see good. yeah and it's just like these little buffs as they call or these little um unique traits Mm -hmm. it just makes the the game a little bit more interesting um and so i completely see what you what you you know going back to the real world not the the fantasy board games but um i completely see it well and different cultures there's different there's different things that they value and you Mm -hmm. get to learn that set of skills or that belief and stuff and it, it can uh, it can you could potentially uh, exploit it in a in a positive way. I don't mean in a, in a negative, right? And and embrace it, and then and then uh, go off and do something interesting with it, or or cool, or something that would benefit others or yourself. Anyway, you know, any way mm-hmm. you want. So I I completely see it. Uh, I, I now I'm starting to wonder in my culture what what what's the what's the bonus? You know what's the What's Dungeons like, and dragons oh, it's, it's, yeah Bone <laughs> bonus that i have with you know do i got do i got dark vision or what do i have right yeah uh, i'm starting to think what do you think uh, you know what what do you think i would have or what, have no what do you way. do, you do you have? <laughs> what do you think you have um what, from your culture like what do you yeah think? uh
0: mm-hmm. lots of things that deal with the arts Mm -hmm. And I think that the arts are important because they're a universal Mm -hmm. language. So I think that a lot of what I have that's free is that I can speak a universal language without trying that
1: hard. Um, What type of art are you speaking about?
0: um, So one of the more interesting ones is dance. Dance. Because dance doesn't even involve words. So Mm -hmm. I think it's something that's very powerful um, that can give out a, a specific type of mood. And um, it involves rhythm, which I think mm-hmm. is very important and very intricate and deep, dare I say. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I, in general, I think that um, there's, a, there's a connection between differential equations and rhythm that I haven't fully figured out. Mm-hmm. But when it is fully written out, you can learn a lot about high-level math stuff through rhythm.
1: I think. I don't know. Maybe it's how it flows like through math, you know, the process. Maybe that's that would be my best guess, you know. Yeah. And I would see like in dance, there's a rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. Certain steps that you take, you know, mm-hmm. math you take steps, dance. You yeah, do it's steps. it's you so it's can like,
0: you can look at sequences of mm-hmm. things and mm-hmm. say a uh, pattern or something. Yeah, you you know, th- there's there's mm-hmm. there's definitely a connection between rhythm and uh, uh, not integers. Um, what's it called?
1: Maybe you could even break down dance mathematically. Well, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. For sure
0: you can, Mm -hmm. but how to do it, I haven't really Mm -hmm. uh, worked it out yet. But that's Mm -hmm. something, as far as a moonshot, that's something I think Mm -hmm. I could figure out easily within the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. So um, my point is, I think that just like, okay, so in the the information revolution, Mm -hmm. um, information through things like Wikipedia that used to be, you know, you had to go, it was very hard to get to it, but it was known. It's just it wasn't easy mm-hmm. to access. It suddenly became a lot more accessible. And I think culture is a form of information that currently is still somewhat difficult to access,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but making it easier to access, making tools, cultural tools, whether it's mental processes um, uh, Rules of thumb, although rules of thumb, hopefully, I don't really value that that much, but Mm -hmm. like uh, rules and their implications. Every culture has some very valuable ways of storing certain rules and what follows from those rules. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them overlap, obviously. Be nice to people is a simple rule pretty much every culture Mm -hmm. has because reciprocation in the long term, Mm -hmm. it's generally good to be nice until someone is mean to you and then be mean to them. Tip for tap. I think Mm -hmm. it's what it's called. But anyhow, there's these certain rules that people learn and there's these certain ways of learning things and certain Mm -hmm. processes that, like Wikipedia, they're still in the encyclopedia. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But a lot of those things, I think, could be made more open and I think it would help the next generation coming up to have easier access to not just information, but cultural Mm -hmm. information that's very valuable outside of the culture. Mm -hmm. So if you're not born in the culture where it's free to you or it's easy for you, I think there should be a way for you to still get those gems. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, in the, as the, like the moonshot, I'm interested in playing a role in that part of human development. of saying like, okay, we had the information, we're in the information revolution, but specifically cultural information. Mm -hmm. I think is is even more valuable than
1: Wikipedia. So like like sitting someone down and just teaching them about a culture?
0: Uh, Uh No. Uh To to say that what a culture is, is is basically like a word Mm -hmm. in a language. It's just a combination of letters. But Mm -hmm. to teach people the alphabet would be the best. Mm -hmm. So that... They can they can under they can understand the words but they could also make their own words they can it's like you're giving them the ultimate toolkit to remix to basically create their own culture
2: mm-hmm.
1: I feel like I don't know if I'm from if I'm being pessimistic right here yeah but I feel like culture is kind of like obviously you have your own culture but if if you're trying to get someone else to like learn yours it's a difficult task it's like if you don't have an
0: alphabet yeah, maybe. But with an alphabet, it's just like learning another
1: word. Because it's like, right now, what was popping in my mind is like, what do you gain from culture? And culture, there's so much stuff, you know? Obviously... Um,
0: well, I suspect there's mm-hmm. actually not that much stuff. I suspect that there's a lot of redundancy.
1: Maybe maybe there's stuff that a lot of cultures share and it's just like just the, the ba- the, this basic model kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... No, there's there's all this other stuff. One of the things that I can think of off the top of my head is jokes. Even, like, there's some jokes or sayings that I can say in, in Spanish mm-hmm. that not all Spanish speakers get, you know? It, it might just, it's just a cultural thing. Like, are, you know, are your parents, like, from Mexican descent? What area do they get certain jokes? I've sp- sp- spoken to other people that speak Spanish, like from Chile and stuff like that. Sometimes they don't get some jokes or uh, or they'll tell me one joke and I get it even though they're using a completely different word or a word I never heard before but the way it sounds and it and it fits in the context I'm like wait I heard that joke before and this is how we say it mm-hmm. and and the and, and then we all crack up because it's like it's the same shit you know yeah. so there there you know there is like repetition but but at the same time there's certain things that Maybe someone from another culture that just speaks English. Like, they're not going to get these jokes at all.
0: Well, I would argue that the reason why they don't get Mm -hmm. the jokes is because we don't have a Wikipedia. We Mm -hmm. only have an encyclopedia.
1: What would you put in this, like, cultural pedia, as I'm calling it? What what would you put? Like, how would you begin to even start creating one? What's a start? That's a great question. Yeah. Or are you going to start putting, like, okay, this is a. you know, I'm going back to my culture, you know, like the Chicano culture. SoCal, you know, and then like this is what the stuff that we eat, you know. These are mm-hmm. our jokes. Like it would be kind of like, let's say like that. No. Uh, no?
0: Uh-huh. It would be super reductive. It would be like a physics book. Mm-hmm. Super reductionistic. So what fundamentally is a joke? That's where, where we would start. Mm-hmm. And then say. Something that
1: makes people laugh.
0: Maybe. Mm-hmm. But that's that. That's what the approach would be. It wouldn't be specific to any culture. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, "What is a smile?"
1: Mm-hmm. The muscles moving. Obviously, I'm answering it now. But yeah, yeah it, it has more
0: to do with uh-huh. there's a certain the, structure the, the, the muscles in in a human face than it has to do with where you're born.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we share like smiles. That's a, that's an interesting thing.
0: But I would argue we also share jokes. It's just mm-hmm. not obvious that we share jokes.
1: Okay could you give an example
0: uh A rough thing would be a joke uh involves a something that is broken in a way that the the listener underst it, the listener has to know that something is broken. So if, if it's broken, but the listener doesn't understand what's broken, then it's, then they're not going to understand the joke. What do you mean by broken? What? That there's a there's the norm. There's whatever is the expected connection of ideas. And then there's something that's off from the norm. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. that's supposed to be the funny?
0: It, it at least has to have that
2: mm-hmm.
0: in order for it to be a joke. Now, I don't know if that's actually mm-hmm.
1: true for a joke. I remember, you know, growing up, one of the channels that I loved watching was Comedy Center. I would watch that st- the stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that some of the, the funniest jokes, at least personally, were the ones that they point out fucked up shit in, in society or like reality. Mm-hmm. You know? Especially that... Um, well,
0: think about it. If it's pointing out something fucked up, that's the part that's broken. Yeah. The society itself. Mm-hmm. And the expected thing is that the society is not broken.
1: Mm-hmm. But it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then everybody has a laugh. But then at the same time, it's like, at that very moment, it's like, yeah, laugh and, and you feel good. But then you start later on, you start thinking about that joke. It's like, fuck, we're so fucked up. Like, how can we fix this? You know? but yeah. But then at the same time, if you fix it, there's no joke anymore.
0: Not that joke, yeah. but
1: another joke exists. Or yeah. You
0: need to just find
1: something else. And then you, the joke the could even be how long it took to fix it. Yeah. You know, sure. like, fuck, you know, it's like, hey, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, how many idiots does it take to to fix this? You know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, uh, super reductionistic physics style. Think of it as the alphabet, so that mm-hmm. now we can all understand the words. That's pretty cool. Universal alphabet. It's one of those projects where you know, there's it's 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 it, it's, it's not um, it's not even close to being started. So anything that I say now, it's probably going to be meaningless a year from now. But mm-hmm. when it that is the general direction, hopefully it's something in that direction. And again, mm-hmm. this is like ten years.
1: What I would love that? to see see something like that. I want yeah. I want to I want to see you accomplish your goals.
0: Well, the goal mm-hmm. isn't even
1: defined yet. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I want to see uh, the progress. you, that can, you have. Well,
0: you can see stuff right now mm-hmm. that I've already done. So you can listen to my first mixtape Elmwood Recipes. For when I wrote in jail, first mixtape I wrote, it's. Can you send me the link and stuff? Yeah, Yeah, I can send you a link. I'll send you a link to this and Elmo recipes at the same time. It's awesome. Yeah, and uh, because it's a classic hip hop thing, it's Mm -hmm. it's very much like stolen beats from YouTube Mm -hmm. bars. The stuff I make now is a lot more abstract, but Mm -hmm. it's still hip hop. Where Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of doing a Dr. Seuss type of thing over the summer, possibly, Mm -hmm. where all of it's like pretty vague. uh i put one foot in and one foot out i don't know where you're from about it. i don't know what you're about or something like that where it's mm-hmm. like you know it's pretty open to interpretation I one did. foot in one foot out what does it mean uh, could
1: be a dance
0: exactly it could be a dance it could be a lot of things it mm-hmm. could be me talking about the world trade center who knows mm-hmm. so um yeah i i i feel like a there i i it's not fresh in my mind everything mm-hmm. that i've done so that's Part of the reason why the website is useful is like, well, you could just scroll through and if anything catches your eye, then that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been some, I've, there might be, I the only time that I've done things that actually are cultural mm-hmm. is, I think, is through the music. So if mm-hmm. you read lyrics, then maybe you'd see something that you'd like. Mm-hmm. Everything else, the comics, there's no words. So you just look at pictures. If you like them, you like mm-hmm. them. If not, you don't.
1: I- now I'm curious. I want to. I want. I out. feel like mm-hmm. you would really
0: like yeah. the uh, the images. That's the first mm-hmm. thing I ever did was the, the comics, mm-hmm. and then the next thing was the music, mm-hmm. and then the podcast, and then the math papers, mm-hmm. and and now I just continue with the music and mm-hmm. the podcast. But um, yeah, I, I, I my papers are very much boring, like analytical mm-hmm. papers, like they're academic and i only have a few of them but um the yeah the music you might find something you might not Mm -hmm. i could play my last song for you not right now though actually speaking of which i think it might be time to wrap things up are Mm -hmm. you you feel pretty satisfied yeah this is
1: awesome thanks for having me on all right there's
0: one more challenge though okay which is the most important question the, the most universe. important question to in me? the universe yes, to
1: you. Are you ready yeah, yeah. or you're going to ask it okay yes okay awesome i thought i had to make come up with one i was like oh god no that's too much <gasps> okay. that's too much mm-hmm. spin or flip spin or flip
0: spin or flip
1: i like the idea of spinning that's right mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, thank you for your time.